actually like listening to how often do you guys, and it doesn't hurt my feelings if, if you don't listen to King of Lifts, by the way, but how often do you guys listen to powerlifting podcasts or is it, I, cause I'm interested because I was talking to, um, might be a little different cause you guys both aren't powerlifting coaches by trade, but I was talking to Brett and he was like, uh, I asked him like, did you listen to the podcast leading into the world's 2019? And we had a prediction podcast and he's like, uh, man, I power lift, I coach. And then when my time off, I'm, I'm not looking for that because it's, it's too much. And um, I was wondering about that because people ask me sometimes you hear this podcast. I'm like, frick, dude, I, I do King lifts. I do my own podcast. And then when I want to dewind, sometimes I will, but how often do you guys listen to it? Uh, I listen to it sporadically. It depends on if I'm in the car by myself and going for a long drive. And that's usually when I'll try to um, throw one on or if I'm at home. Now that you can plan through like Alexa, it's way easier to listen to podcasts. So like if I'm cooking or doing something and nobody's around, I'll do it. Otherwise, like, I don't know. The kids don't want to listen to that kind of stuff. (laughs) How old are the kids right now? Um, They're 14 and 17. Okay, they're good. All right, cool. Yeah, they, they know swear words. Their father has a potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it also helps that um, your husband, their dad, is into powerlifting, obviously. And uh, so it's it's not like you're, they're like, oh, powerlifting? Come on. You know what I mean? Where, I mean, that definitely helps. Although, so is it powerlifting oriented usually if you're going to drop a podcast? Uh, usually, um, I do like to listen to little Joe Rogan, even oh, though sometimes yeah. he really irritates me, but it's just pretty entertaining <laughs> all at the same time. So um, I'll try to listen to that every once in a while or some like, like leading up to the election, I try to listen to some political stuff just to try to um, stay on top of like the news and what was what and listen to like the different candidates and try to make a because it's hard to you can't watch tv anymore everyone's got a political agenda or huge bias so it's hard to find anything that's not like slanted it's just like okay these are these people and these are what they stand for so i did a lot of that leading up to the election it's crazy man i'm not american and i was never more invested than an in another country's freaking election. And I was like too, I was like too into it. Like, I don't want to be this invested. Like I had to pull away at some points and be like, come on, man, this isn't like, it, yeah, it's, it's too much. But as a Canadian, you're like, holy shit, this is like better than any reality TV show. Oh I don't know if it's because we're locked down. We're not like around anyone else. So we're like, I had buddies who are also Canadian. We're in group chats. We're hopping on the phone. Like, holy shit, this is oh, going to happen. I have like the Iron Sisters. You're like Francis and stuff. But they're said to be text. You're like, what the hell is going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They're like, Jen, you got to fix this. I'm like, I don't know how. The Canadians are like, throw the goddamn wall. What are we waiting for? Throw the wall. This is crazy. <laughs> this is, is going to get out of hand. You got your wall of snow. That's right. Hey, man, we can see that. You can't. Um, but Arian, how you been, dude? How about yourself? In terms of podcasts, you listen to powerlifting, but this is how I picture you, Aaron. Correct me if I'm wrong, sir. All right? Correct me if I'm wrong, sir. A powerlifting nerd. Super into it. You're a coach. You lift. You handle. You're involved in running meets. You listen to podcasts. Is that true? Is this, is this, is this how you describe yourself? You're off on one thing. I don't lift. Ah, yeah, you do. <laughs> I do. I just saw your Tic Tac bench pressing on uh, That's right. TikTok. I love it that you, I love that you called it Tic Tac, Jen, first off. <laughs> that, is, that is the amazing. You know what? 
<laughs> I ran into Arian at his gym. I actually about three years ago, and I did not see him lift any weights while I was there for about three or four days. I have backup that I don't lift. I got proof. <laughs> what the heck, man? It's actually, it was funny because it was about three years ago, and I walked in, and I think I said, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> but it was your gym. <laughs> it's insulting. If, it's insulting when you go. You work out. What do you? Mean? It's like, you're like yes, coaching. I, you're like you. You lift. Listen, now, now I have proof. If anyone believes doesn't believe me that I don't lift, I can just say talk to Jess. But you do, you do lift up. All uh, different It's it's weird. Here's the thing: powerlifting is like a weird sport where I can't picture someone being like you were super into it, anyways, right? Like, um, and I can't picture someone being too into it if you don't lift up. It look or is it is it more? Um, like, what do you like most about it? Because you, you're handling the, what you know about scouting and shit is like beyond. And, and in terms of like programming and coaching, you know, you're not, you're not just the dude who looks at it uh, at the fringe. Like, you know, your stuff. Uh, I mean, you, you, you threw like 10 different questions at me. I'm seeing if I can see if we bring Ryan in to start off this podcast. Bring me um, in. You, you were right on most of the stuff. I, I'm really into powerlifting, all, all aspects of it and stuff. I was never into as much podcast because I don't go anywhere for work these days. I'm not stuck in rush hour listening to like, you know, an hour to hour podcast there and back. So usually when I'm at home, I, I watch smaller things like YouTube videos. I can watch like, you know, a 10 minute video while I'm taking a break between programming or I'm cooking or something or something like that. Uh, as far as the, the, the lifting, I, I tell people that like somewhat jokingly, but it's like, I don't go in with the plan as much anymore. I'm not um, focused on being competitive anymore because I did that for about five years. And then now my focus has switched more to the coaching side and my business. So I want to put more of my time and my effort into my actual job. Part of that is because when I was in school, I used to always slack off on school and focus on other things. And so my grades were bad. So I don't want to do the same thing with my job. I want to focus on my job first and then lift whenever I have time. It's tough, man. Um, coaches who try to do it all. I had uh, Joey talks about Sometimes you have great prep, walk into a competition, try to handle, try to do everything. And then by the time it's your turn, you're like, I totally shit the bed. And I feel like I, <laughs> I wasted two months prepping. Like, damn it, man, that was tough to try to do it all. But what are you going to do? I mean, um, if you get joy out of weightlifting, but you're right, it's going to, something's going to take a hit, right? Yeah, it's, it's tough to juggle both things. I know like Bryce Lewis, when he's going into bigger meets like Worlds, he's done things where he'll pass off his clients to his other coaches so that he has a smaller workload and he can focus on, on his training a lot and everything else. Um, so he prioritizes his competition because obviously he wants to be a world champion. Um, so he goes like that back and forth. So yeah, it's tough for those people like uh, Mike T when he was competing, Bryce Lewis, uh, Joey, to be able to put full-time effort into both. Yeah. I remember asking Jen when we had this podcast, like this is way back now, but not way back, but a few years when you first came on. Yeah, like like we've been doing this that long, but it's still crazy to say four years ago, we were doing these podcasts for King of Lifts. But um, asking Jen, like if she was thinking about doing coaching and I remember at the time you're like, oh, hell no. I will, give you, <laughs> I will give you my programs and let you see it, but uh, I'm not looking to take that on. Did, did anything change since then, Jen? Do you have any kind yeah. of inkling? Well, I started, you know, I was doing a lot of seminars, you know, which I really enjoy those, um, you know, just the, even the all, you know, all the all women seminars are always a lot of fun, but then even just, you know, just gym seminars with different people. I love traveling and going to expos and things like that. So I really enjoyed that. 
And then once, um, once we were quarantined and all that stuff stopped, my husband's like, well, why don't you just try doing a little online and no see what'll happen. So I put on my story one day, I said, okay, if you're interested in having me coach, fill out this survey. <laughs> How many thousands did you get? <laughs> well, I just put it in my story for one, for one day. And I think I had like, I don't know, 30 people. Holy sugar. That's a, okay. that's like a, <laughs> I mean, whoa, could you, did you take them all 30? No, okay. I went through and vetted them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's some just, I, I just want to make sure it was someone that was sort of in line with what I wanted to do. Um, I have a lot of programs on my strength books. So I use that as a coaching uh, online platform because I'm super familiar with it because I've built programs and things like that on it already. So um, I picked, I was doing eight for a little while and then I coached two um, to like competitions. And then I don't know, maybe I think I coached them too hard because like they quit afterwards, <laughs> like the sport. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> so they, like, they. <laughs> Like I'm done. Listen, I'm coaching these people. I'm like, you guys don't work hard. Like, you need to get in there and work. (laughs) Well, the thing is, it's like, um, look at if you want to recreationally, if you want to lift recreationally, maybe don't go to Jen Thompson, who's like a (laughs) world champion so many times over. You're wasting both your time. Like, like one. So one I had, it was hilarious because I uh, picked like a variety of people, men and women of all ages, but mostly people that were just sort of getting into it that haven't been in the sport for very long. So I really want, I feel like you can make a big impact on, on newer athletes, you know? Yeah. And the one girl, she's a little bit of a, uh, you know, mental case, but she's a hard worker, you know, she's getting into it in the master's division. And um, I thought she was, she was doing great. She's making huge, huge gains. And I, she, we were getting ready to her competition, which thankfully was still on during all this stuff. And she's like, um, I'm, you know, I know things are going good, but I'm really a little disappointed about where I'm, going with my squat um you know I kind of thought I would be up near like 270 and really at 240 and I'm like but your best before this was 205 (laughs) I don't know what you expected but um I kind of was thinking like a 40 pound PR was like a really good deal (laughs) and how long was she working with you uh I think we worked three months 40 pounds in three months that was just that was just her squat like her bench went up 20 her deadlift went up like 50 like it was really great gains she's like yeah I was a little disappointed in that I was like okay I you know I just started doing this I'm like clearly I need to set up like an expectations like (laughs) meeting before we get started you're you're looking to your husband like this is exactly why the fuck I said I I wasn't gonna this is this is it I hate to say it this is isn't what I needed uh, I have enjoyed it though. It has been giving me, you know, just something to stay connected in the sport and get to know some neat people on some different levels of all different ranges of life. So I've enjoyed it. It is like, um, it's weird when you're lifting for yourself and it's not just for yourself. Like, I don't got to tell you because you're literally a trailblazer, but so you know how just, even though you're only lifting other people, it impacts so many other people as well. Right. But when you, but that's almost indirect because you, they, you, they tell you after the fact when they see you, oh, Jen, you know, I remember this, that, or whatever, but it's different when you're day-to-day in and out helping someone get better at their craft and reach goals. There is a satisfaction to it that's yeah. unique, but it's freaking work. And it also can be like, like uh, a Broyarian was saying, you don't want to also make it be like, it's starting to stress me out a little. It's changing how I look at powerlifting. Now I'm looking at spreadsheets and I don't want to anymore. I'm getting sick of it. 
I'm getting frustrated a little. So it is like, oh, I don't know. Do I want to do this? Yeah, I was, I have a whole new appreciation for the online coaches, you know, ask Arian, like what we were talking on uh, my road trip with Gino, we talked to Arian for like three and a half hours while we were driving there. And I asked him how many clients he had. And um, I can't remember what he says, or if you want me to say, but I was like, holy (laughs) cow, like I have eight and like, I'm feeling a little overloaded. (laughs) Yeah, it is uh, even just prioritizing, trying to wrap it around doubling back, make sure everybody feels like they're getting their just due. But how do you deal with that, Arian? In terms of like people coming in the door and managing their expectations and managing the workloads. I, I mean, yeah, it's tough. I mean, for both these ladies, they probably know the other side of it. I mean, they want to hit big numbers. They want have big goals. And it's trying to find a goal that it's like, you know, difficult to achieve that you have to put, actually put effort into, but it's something you can reasonably achieve. Not like, you know, you know, I want a 275 when your max is only like yeah, 200. Yeah. Um, so it, it's like, it's like one going off of the person trusting your knowledge and your experience that you know what like reasonable progress is for someone, their age, their, their weight, their experience level. And then also looking at um, data, like I'll go look at um, rankings and see like where they are in the rankings and how much I think they can go up. And now there's actually some uh, guy who from Costa Rica who put up an app where he just took all the data from open IPF and saw in 12 months time, how much that person gained. And he has all the data points. So now I can go on there too and show mm. him like, Hey, this is what actual data from all the IPF meets on open IPF for your weight class and everything like that. What kind of progress is for 12 months. So hopefully people are like, you know, um, honest enough with themselves and trust someone that they can, you know, see all of that different data and stuff like that and, and go along with the plan. Where can you find that data? Is it on the, on the website? Uh, I can, I can send a link. Uh, it's something weird. Um, because it's be like, uh, I'll do a swipe up as well. If you give it to me. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a, <laughs> it's a online app. So they have like a weird website. It's like powerlifting.something.io. So it's in my bio, but I'll send you guys the link. Yeah. So you guys can look at it and, um, and you can always share it to people if they want to go check it out. We um, but, look at but, Jessica. She's like, <laughs> it, it, it's funny. Cause he was talking to Wait, me when it comes to her numbers. Yeah. He, he, he was talking to me when he's putting his app together, because I, I've met him before at a North American meet. And he was talking about how he's trying to use for a certain weight. He's trying to use 30 data points, but there are certain weights for example, Jess or Jen on bench press or like Amanda Lawrence on squat, where you don't have 30 data points, you have one data point. So you basically <laughs> have to change his formula for those outliers to not use a 30 data point set. He had to use, you know, fewer sets. And so like he has on his app, like it says like, you know, the normal range and then like the super strong range, which is where these two ladies will be at. Holy, <laughs> that's really cool. That's pretty neat. It's, it's yet yeah, when, when Jessica was listening to Jen's story about the girl who wanted like 30 pounds on her squat in a few months, Jessica's like, what's, what's, what's the wrong issue? with that? What's I the issue? Okay. That all the time. <laughs> what's the, yeah. <laughs> so, the PRs are hard to come by these days, but. <laughs> so what, uh, speaking of, so earlier today you, you were involved, you gave like a virtual engagement. Give us a little background and Jen, I know you have one coming up, um, tomorrow. So what exactly is this? Cause I got tagged. Um, Jenna sent me some details. I checked it out, but what, what is this? How did this come about? And um, yeah, give us a little beats. Uh, so it's Queens powerlifting. Uh, their university club is doing a speaker series with a lot of 
female powerlifters to raise money for their club and a charity. It's Steve's Kettlebell, um, which Jen, you're going to have to fill me in on the details of the actual charity, but it's for kids to um, introduce them to strength courses, I believe. Um, and yeah, called Steve, yeah. Steve's Kids, and it's basically he kind of takes uh, underprivileged kids or kids that have sort of emotional issues and help show, introduce them to strength sports and just kind of uh, work with them through that avenue, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I here's the thing. When it comes to strength sports and people are like, I mean, I've said this before, but it's true. When people say like, oh, it's just, it's just weightlifting. People try to say like they learn so much from it. It's like, man, if you don't know how to organize yourself, manage expectations, realize you get in what you, you get out what you put in, things like that, discipline. And some days you don't feel like if you go in and you do it anyways. And then if you keep doing it over a long period of time, you see results. These are things I like, if you're a kid, and you need some kind of positivity and you're like, I don't got a lot coming with me. I got, I'm from an underprivileged background. And you're like, kid, I guarantee you, if you show up every day, you will see this number rise. Nothing in life is going to guarantee you like that. But if you stick to this program, watch what happens to these numbers. Very few things in life. Do you get that? You know, where you think the game is rigged and I mean, not to get too much into what's going on, but we all see the game stop the rigging and stuff that's going on. I mean, I'm not even, I can't even speak on it, but um, I read, I'm trying to catch up. Like Jen was saying, I try to catch up with the news too. But um, you know, when you see stuff like that, if you come from a certain background, like an underprivileged kid, where you're like, damn, I can't buy hockey equipment. I can't do all these things. But if you could show up at a gym, you're like, here's what it is. And Jess had like a good point in her talk too. She was talking about just how it uh, made her feel uh, comfortable with herself. And maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. But just, I think, especially for me too, like especially when I first started, I was very, um, very shy, insecure. Like I was like afraid to go to the grocery store by myself. I was afraid that people would look at me funny because I was by myself and not with friends. And just was really sort of had a low self-esteem. And this is really like taking me to a whole different level. And Jess was talking a bit about that today too. Yeah, let's hear about it. So what, what topics, do you just come in with topics and talk about how weightlifting has impacted you or? Basically, we had some topics uh, already uh, assigned to everybody. Ours today with um, Simone Lai and um, Christine Castro was uh, just an introduction, uh, kind of how we got from where we started to where we are, and then also a brief talk about mental health. And that's where I was talking about how powerlifting's really helped me a lot, especially with confidence. And for me, it's been really good for my mental health on average, even though, you know, preparing for meets, you get a lot of anxiety, you get hyped up thinking you have to hit these numbers. But overall, I had such crazy body image issues in high school leading into university and powerlifting really... Um, really helped me with that because I finally started to feel in control of my weight. I was gaining strength, which is awesome. It's very satisfying to see the numbers on the bar go up. Um, and uh, I would always try to overexercise to try and lose weight before this because I always wanted a smaller waist and whatever young girls are always wanting according to the media I don't know but the unobtainable um, images there yeah basically media and anything like that. yeah like I was never meant to be tiny like those people and I would always try to be and then when I started powerlifting I actually started to really like the way my proportions 
started getting like um, in proportion, my waist actually did get smaller. I got so much stronger and then it just became a really fun. It was always a fun sport for me. I always like to push myself, especially on um, deadlifts and stuff. I was scared we were going to talk about bench today and I didn't know why I would be on the podcast. <laughs> hey, no. Obviously my worst lift. Don't worry, that's coming. <laughs> I just got really nervous. No, nobody here is qualified to, to talk about in. bench, but Jen. We're all on the same page. <laughs> we're all going to go quiet when we get to the bench. We but, wouldn't um, do that to you. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it's true. Like uh, powerlifting is huge for body image. Like obviously, I mean, there's stories in terms of like, kids when I was younger even as a boy if you if you're a little smaller or whatever you weightlift and you just get more confident or I mean there's a million stories about whatever if you get picked on as a kid you start weightlifting and all of a sudden things start changing right but it is different when a girl like if you're a kid and you're a girl and you start doing it I I'm, I'm in my early forties. So things are a little different. It's, it's, it's changing now. I know social media is changing now for sure. Uh, how we view it. But if you were a teenage boy, started lifting weights and started trying to turn that curve on it, it, it was different than if you were a teenage girl and things are, are now starting to turn the corner and you see these changes, but there was trailblazers when it wasn't like that before. Mm -hmm. Um, and certainly I think it's, we're in a better place, but sometimes guys, so guys see it's a better place for it than it used to be, but they, it's still not parody where like, no, I get it. Nah, not really dude, because, um, like it's true that guys get judged on their physical appearances as well, but here's where I think it's a stitch different. A guy, if I post a guy. And let's say he's bodied up, Russell or he, or like almost all these dudes are now, right? Bodied up. Bodied up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Bodied up. Bodied up. I'm going to start using that. That's one phrase. We're all on the same page. That's universal. Going back to people who won't know. People in Asia are like, I think I know Russell or he. I know that one. Like, universal. Or something like that, right? But um, if you're bodied up and you're a guy, you're shirtless, you might get your chops busted a little because you're shirtless again, bro. But nobody's questioning why I'm reposting you because they assume you're strong, right? If you're bodied up woman, they don't, they say, is that why you're here? And it's a credibility issue and they attack it and they focus, hyper-focus on that. And I see it in the comments and they're like, well, people say things to Russell Lurie when he's got his shirt off. I go, but you don't question his credibility. You don't attack why he's here. And it's, it's still not the same. And um, there's parallels and I get it. There are guys who would deal with issues too and I'm not saying they don't, but I think that's still prevalent. And um, how do you guys feel as female powerlifters who, I mean, even your day-to-day, -day, not everyone you come across respects powerlifting and weightlifting even. Is this something you got, you've seen as well? Are you referring to like, like how much clothes you're taking off while you're posting? Is that like the, the no, are we talking I, about women that are bodied up in their, their posts? Bodied up. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> all right. Let's, let's find a term. Okay. I think I know what you're talking about. All right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, Jessica? Um, I think you see the worst of it because you literally just post lifting videos on a sort of neutral, well, not neutral platform, but it's not a personal page. 
necessarily. So you would see the absolute worst of the comments. I think we do still have a long ways to go because it's still, for some reason, every single, most of the comments on some videos for women are about what she looks like on a lifting video. But for men, that's pretty rare. It's more about form and stuff like that. Um, And there's no reason for that because lifting is just about the weight that's moving. It's not about what you look like. But for women, it seems like those comments are always at the forefront. And I think it's just because we don't understand what's naturally possible and what's, I don't know, it's just a weird, it's it's still a problem. It, it like like for instance, I had I posted um, women lifting, and I, it wasn't like they were they're wearing leggings. Yes, it's tight leggings, whatever. It's not nothing crazy. Um, and oh, some people will drop comments, and I'll delete or I'll block, and then somebody will message me and be like, "What well, did you?" Well, I'll say the same thing if it's if it's uh, I'd say the same thing to a guy if I thought he's being a douchebag. <laughs> And I'm like, my, my friend, though, you're a 35-year-old man commenting on a, on a 20-year-old's, like, just don't. Leave her, leave her <laughs> just don't. Just don't. Like, like why are we having yeah. this discussion? In, um, but I, some, in some respects, we exacerbate a problem ourselves. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's athletes out there that are pushing some good weight, you know, and, and in that case, yeah, you know, you know, you're wearing athletic clothing. But then you have you know, the, um, you know, girl, some women athletes, they're like, you know, doing dumbbell curls in their tube top. Like I, I just, that stuff drives me crazy because well, I feel like that gives us a bad name, you know, like whether they're certainly just looking for, I, there's definitely a certain um, person that's looking for a lot of followers based on just showing off their body. And I think that doesn't help us ones that are looking for more of a fitness avenue, I guess, or more of a strength, strength avenue. But I think we're on our, our own worst enemy sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I guess, the, I guess there's like room for both, but um, yeah. I mean, put it this way. When I posted the one, this, I don't know if you had seen it, Jen, you probably did Jessica when, and, and you Arian, when I posted the one, uh, it was a video of Amy, I don't want to mispronounce her last name, Viner. I think it's minor yeah and um and because sometimes european they do the v is a w but uh, i think she's from the uk but um and uh, the infamous yuri belkin comment where he's like yes it was it, this went this blew up in social media and um he said uh, so i'm going to paraphrase but essentially something about you i could tell who you are who you are by your ass because your videos, <laughs> right, the video angle, because the video angle, when it was like, all right, well, okay, okay. That's all. And then she goes, he, he, then he said something to the effect of, she said something about thanks for the repost. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Of course, like she's broken world records in the deadlift and it's a video of her deadlift. And he goes, oh, don't worry. If you keep doing angles like that, I'm sure you'll keep getting reposts. And then that's where it was. All right, listen. If Russell or he has a shirt off, for sure he's showing off because he's bodied up. But you're not. You won't question why he's getting reposted because you know he's a world class athlete. But when it becomes like the only reason why you're here is because you're bodied up, that's where it's like it's more rare 
it's more likely I find people are going to do that to a woman I repost and be like, that's the only reason why you're here. And they assume certain things where it's like, King of doesn't really, doesn't really give a shit. Okay. I'm not posting. There's a million Instagram models doing a lot of cheesy stuff in a Smith machine. They're not going to make, it. you know, you're not going to make it like that. So th- I think that's more an issue that, um, women get. What do you think, Jessica? Did you, were you, you, you don't got necessarily, I don't know if you remember word for word, everything I was saying before, but in terms of the, the Belkin, but is that what you find as well? Um, that, uh, I, I saw that, uh, Belkin post because there's so many comments about it. It was, nuts. Oh, yeah. it, it got reposted. Up. There were memes about that, like on the yeah. <laughs> smaller powerlifting meme pages, which, um, I thought that was hilarious, but I, uh, I, I think if you have, Honestly, if you're fit and you work hard for your body, I don't see any problem with wearing clothes that show it off and working out wearing like a sports bra and short shorts, big deal. Men do it too. Um, It's not an invitation for harassment and women do get, it sucks that women do get their credibility questioned so much more because um, there's a lot of gyms where men lift in kind of short shorts too with their shirt off. And I mean, Garrett Fear does get oh, roasted yeah. a lot I, on King of the Lifts. So I mean, equality both ways. <laughs> yeah. But so there are a certain amount. I mean, it does kind of invite comments like that, but it still shouldn't warrant actual harassment, is my point of view on those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at, I mean, I'd be a freaking. I, I posted with my shirt off and it's, uh, I'm, I'm an Instagram thought. What do you want from me? What do you, I'm gonna get, <laughs> yeah, you're scared you're going to get roasted. I'm not. Shirtless pick. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there before someone else beats me to the punch and, and, and too self-righteous here. Okay. But like uh, Eminem and eight mile just listing all that's your right. flaws let's get, before we name them. Let's get in here. I've, I've seen that movie. I know what I'm doing. But, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, it's, what else, what other differences do you guys feel as like women in powerlifting? Like, is this some of the stuff you guys talked about in the seminars and that you plan on talking about, Jen? Um, you mean about how we get harassed on? Well, not necessarily that, but just, you know, no, no, I don't think the the seminar is keyed on that, but just because you had said it was a focus on mostly women, uh, who are doing the speaking, is it a focus on women in strength sports? Um, well, they had we had uh, Aaron Edgley and Jordan Donato. We're talking about um, uh, the mental toughness um, of training and stuff. So I actually did have two males on it um, this morning. Uh, tomorrow, mine's more like on um, just since I've been around forever, like how to stay around forever. <laughs> what the secrets to my success for staying in the sport sport forever? <laughs> Fair. Uh, let everybody know when when your first competition was. Uh, it was in 1999. <laughs> How old were you, Jessica? I was four years old. Four. Four years old. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, and, and and what are some of the secrets? You don't gotta go into all of the bag of tricks if you got uh, some. You gotta keep. Uh, well, a lot of it's just like looking at longevity and understanding that you know it's um, it's not a race; it's a journey, and that you want to make. Um, gains for long periods of time, you know, so you really have to be uh, forward thinking and not worry so much if you miss that rep in the gym or you don't hit this particular weight at this time that it's a very long, you can do this really, you can do this forever, like forever. I'm going to be 85 on the Kings of Lift, that granny out there squoting with Donovan behind me all grayed out. (laughs) I'm going to get a bench then. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, still got... bench that. I probably won't squat. <laughs> Forget that. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> still on the 300 pound bench. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Blob is having, you know, like you have to have perfect form and understanding it's better to miss with good form than with bad, you know, and really how you're going to plan. I mean, if, if you're into it enough, you, you plan your entire life around this stuff, you know, whether it's nutrition and sleeping and work and, and choices you make in everyday life, things like that. And how do you keep the fire? If you've been doing it, here's the thing, like since the nineties, pretty regularly, I mean, there's some hit and misses here and there. If you have to take a little time off injuries and whatnot and, and well-documented on those and, and you keep coming back as well, documented. And babies. But <laughs> babies happen. Yeah, life happens, right? <laughs> so how do you keep the fire going, the discipline going after all these years and keep returning? Oh, I love the competition. I love the fire. I love the fight. I love the work up to it. You know, I like to keep surprising people that I'm still around, still doing it, still, still hitting numbers, you know, I feel like I, I don't know why, but I feel like almost every world I've come into, like, I'm like the underdog. No one really expects me to perform where I am, where I'm like, I've been here before. Um, I don't know why this is a surprise, but I always feel like everyone else is always getting hyped and I'm just sort of hanging out and then like, okay, here I am. <laughs> um, but I just, I, 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 and I love, like, I love the community, but I just, I love like, Especially when I compete, I'm pretty risky in my numbers, and I really kind of put things on the line and uh, push myself to places where I've never been. And I just, it's, I, it's almost like I guess being an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> you, your attempts are like so Jen. It's the Jen Thompson playbook. They're not. You hit an opener that like, like you could sleepwalk through your opener, a uh -huh. fucking jump to your second, <laughs> and then we're rocking and rolling. Now we're cooking with yeah. grease. We're, we're, it's, it's, it happens every single time. You can set your watch to it. Um, having said that, in terms of um, being the adrenaline junkie and, and walking in so many worlds where you, know, you, you feel like you were the underdog, what was the most satisfying victory in the plethora of victories you've had at the Worlds? Oh, it was that Calgary meet for sure. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Who who was who was uh, the national team coach for you at the time? Uh, well, Arian was my. I chose Arian as my coach because I was able to not choose the other coach because of previous problems. Bad. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Arian won by default, which is such a beautiful well, I, word for well, I Arian. definitely chose him. I said I will only lift for Arian. <laughs> That's how Arian tells the story to this day. Do you believe that? He's like, she went to bat for me. She fought for me. She's going to. No, granted, he just went to Donovan and said, okay, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He did give some good positive input, though. He was watching things. He's, Arian's good with the numbers, for sure. Um, so it's, I had, and the Donovan, I feel like, no offense, but I feel like he's the best in the business. So um, I had two of the best number guys with me. So that definitely didn't hurt. And, like on my deadlifts, I know Arian was like, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> You sure but, you want to go there? But 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 I do like how it always tricks people up. The the coaches that just look at the forecast of total at the end, like they see the openers and they go, hey, "This is the forecast of total, and this is my forecast of total." And then when he gets to a deadlift and Jen jumps from one sixty to one ninety, all of a sudden that forecast of total goes out the window, and they're like, "Wait, what happened?" It's like, "Holy crap, what's going on?" <laughs> but that's like that's, that's really bad. Part. They they have not been paying attention to how Jen plays. No. If because that's bad scouting. If you know Jen Thompson, but you like Arian, I remember actually it was Calgary when I forget who pulled me aside and said, "Is someone on the Canadian national teams?" The, those coaches being like, 
Arian's a freaking wizard when it comes to crunching numbers. And knows he comes in ready. So when we know Arian, you actually know who you're facing when it comes to handling. You know the you know the lifters. But if the it's a good lifter, so so handler, just kind of you get off the platform and they're like five kilo. But they're yeah. just basing it. It's like, this isn't a max out. We're not just maxing. You got to pay attention to what's going on here. There's some gamesmanship. Um, but I remember it was in Calgary. Someone pulled me aside and said, keep your, like, it was the Canadian team. And they're like, we, when we're facing Arian, we got to be minor P's and Q's because some, he's a shifty character. <laughs> Is that fair, Arian? You're not getting anything by him. That's for sure. <laughs> too much by this shifty guy. And then obviously Donovan's going to know you through and through, Jen. Go ahead, Arian. You can reply, sir. No, no, I was just I was just gonna say with with Jen, while it's not like a super high risk strategy, like she says, it is slightly higher risk with those jumps for the high reward to go for those big numbers. So the big thing is just like you know being certain. So like when they want to take that thirty kilo jump from first to second, I just talk with them. I say, you sure you want to do this? Like that second is hundred percent guaranteed. And sometimes it's actually like you know hearing the lifter, not just Jen, but any lifter, hearing them say, yes, I want this, I can hit this, then you know that confidence is there and you're good to put in that temp. And, and she got it. I, I remember, so um, it might've been Jeff, but he's a, he's a Canadian national team coach. I remember one time he was handling me and um, we were going back and forth, man. You got 60 seconds. We got to rock and roll here. And we were going back and forth on this attempt. I forget if I wanted lower and he wanted higher, I probably wanted higher. And we were, First, first we were like 10 kilo away. Then we got like to seven kilo. It's like we're negotiating, right? And like I threw my anchor a little high. He went a little low. We're working in. And now he was like, I was like, trust me, man. Trust me, seven and a half. He's like, I think it's five. And I go, so oh, trust me, That's seven and a half. thing ever to do your it, athlete though. You just it, don't believe in him. He goes, no, but what he did was, this is how he stopped it. He closed the book. He goes, fine. But seven and a half you get. Mm. And I shit you not, I knew at that moment it was always going to be seven and a half, but he wanted me to say it three times over and then <laughs> drill it in fine. Yeah. Seven and a half, you get then. And he just, and then afterwards, I'm like, you were going to give me seven and a half. He goes, yeah, I wasn't going to not fucking give you seven and a half. What are you crazy? I'm just trying to make you, I want you to fight for it, baby. You look tired out there. But um, <laughs> see, Jeff's got similar tactics to me. My man, it is, it is a psychological <laughs> warfare sometimes when you see somebody dragging their feet and they look a little uncertain. You're like, come on, what's going on with this guy? But, um, and how about, how about you, Jessica? What was probably your finest moment at, at the World Championships? At the Worlds? Or are we talking 2018? Or, or you know what? Period. Period in your powerlifting Anytime. career. Anytime. Oh, but it's got to be powerlifting. It's actually, it's a close call between uh world in sweden getting silver by two and a half kilos to kim even though uh there's no way i could have i don't think i could have deadlifted i don't think i i could have beat her because she just could have pulled more than me she had way more in the tank um so i don't have any regrets about that i thought that was awesome i just have regrets about the way i prepared for that meet i guess um it's hard it's a tie between that meet and Canadian Nationals this year. It was the last powerlifting meet before everything shut down. It was March 10th or something. And I hit my best total ever. And it's just an amazing moment. It was in a crappy, uh, I don't like Winnipeg. 
It's not a very nice city if you've been there. Really? Yeah, I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) Is this one of those? um, It's like a 10 hour drive and it's really cold. You drove? Holy shit. Did you? you Yeah, we drove. We drove. And I had the worst water cut of my life, but just pulling through that and also getting the best total in my life, I think I did, yeah, 562.5. And I deadlifted uh, 250 that day. It was unofficial world record total. So squat and deadlift best total of the weight class <laughs> ever not just, not just your best total <laughs> so it's kind of the last the last one uh of the 72s because i don't think there were any actual i don't know if there were actually yeah u.s nationals had 72s right uh that year we didn't have nationals though last no year? no it got canceled that's right that was the year it got canceled yeah so it might have been the last, last week of the 72s so it sucks that it was my best, but I had a, it was one of my favorite moments, actually. It's bittersweet because, yeah, it, like, all right, if it's the last one and you ended it on that note, you'd be like, all right, I'm pretty comfortable, the biggest of all time. However, you're also like, Frank, I would have liked to have done that at Worlds that year. Yeah, <laughs> right everyone's, here, like... looking at, everyone's looking at that now, watching you, though, like, okay, we got to watch out for her, you know, look at that. I mean, it made a big statement either way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think actually the most fun meet that I've been to was Commonwealth's last November, 2019. Um, it was just a great crew. It wasn't, it wasn't even as com- nearly as competitive. It was just fun. I don't know why it was just more casual. I didn't have to water cut. I didn't even, yeah, I think that was it. What about you guys? What's your favorite meet that you've been to as far as just having fun? Well, first off, that was Jeff Budd, who, who was the meat director for that competition, too. My man, yep. put, my man laying it down. He's also a, a lifter. He's like, he's like Judd. He does, um, well, he does coaching, meat directing. I don't know if you do, but he does lifting and a bunch of seminars and all the whole night, too. Have you done meat directing coaching as well, Judd? Yeah, well, I'm the North Carolina State Chair, so we run all okay, the meets down here. I've right. run two national bench press championships. Okay, so exactly. I do it all. IPF, RAF. I got it all. You, all the you hats. Know, you know what? Okay, I'm not gonna hijack your question, Jessica. I'm, I'm gonna answer too, but I just wanted to get that out there before I forget. And um, there's something about the people like like you and Jeff like come from an era because this is before we had very much infrastructure and powerlifting where it's like, no, you have to. Ha- everyone has to wear different hats to make this thing work, or else it's not gonna work. There's not enough of us to just wait for someone else to do it. But um, that's why I love that you guys do these seminars, by the way. So hats off to you. We'll go back to those seminars in a second. But the worlds that sticks out to me the most, I, I lifted at 2017 and 19. And, uh, but I was commentating in all of them and, or just playing competitions, actually, period. That's right. Oh, wow. You know what? I did like in one of the first years of pow- I was powerlifting. So this is like 2008-ish. Me and a few of the fellas did a road trip down to the U.S. Did like a small time push pull, wasn't nothing, but we just packed up the car, drove down there. Like we were probably drinking the night before, and just like it was such a dude. Stayed in a terrible hotel, but it was super duper fun. Waking up the next day, and it was like I don't know. There was something, and there was no pressure. This is before Instagram. Facebook was somewhat new at the time. So you were just straight up lifting the lift. Like, even if you had a good day, bad day, no one gave a fuck. <laughs> Literally nobody cared. You could come back and people like, did you lift this weekend? I had no idea. Um, so so it, was, it was simpler times. I feel old as shit saying this. But it was, um, 
super low key and fun, man. And at the competition, making friends with people and like people you've never met, there's something about, there's something special. This is like straight out of a movie. Something special about being in a moment with somebody knowing I've never met you before and I'll probably never see you again. But today we're gonna be shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow, I'll cheer you on, you'll cheer me on. I, I, I shit you not. Um, I had to borrow somebody's shoes because my something happened to my, I think I think I did not pack, this is such a me thing, did not pack my shoes, but packed, you're damn right I packed like video games and stupid shit, but I didn't pack like the shoes that I needed, got down there and my two boys did not have shoes I had, borrowed someone's shoes, he took them off in between attempts for me, this is how nice this guy was and I bought him beers afterwards. But like, this is the type of like, end of the day, like, this is never going to happen again. Like, this is what the hell happened today. The whole moment. It was, it was wild, man. It was, um, it was a moment. And you knew I'm never going to see these people again. We took far too few pictures because we're dudes and we didn't post them anywhere because social media wasn't around like that. So it's all in my head, but it's, it's something that I'll never forget. Top that. You, Top that, Arian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't have a cool bro road trip. Like Wait a minute! That. I also saved a, <laughs> I also saved a baby out of a burning building. Now you go. Now you go. I mean, there's there's a lot of good meats out there, but as far as like location, one of the best meat locations was when we do the North American Championships in Saint Croix in U.S. Uh, Virgin Islands because the hotel is just right there on the ocean, and so like you know you're you're warming up and you look out the window and right there is the ocean, and then you compete. And then at the hotel itself, they had like a bar right there by the pool. And then you can go out to the, to the water and everything like that. So it was just like a really good setup for people to, you know, come, come lift and then just like hang out and party afterwards. So it was like really good, just like hanging out with the teams from Puerto Rico and Mexico. And of course they're all buying Gino shots and stuff like that. And, and then like the hotel staff is coming and complaining to us that we're like too loud, too late and no. kicking us out of the pool. We go to the, no. we go to the water and everything like that. So really good spot to like, you know, actually like, you know, hang out with people, um, they had some touristy stuff too. Like there's a places you can go to and you can like, you know, go down into like the caves and stuff like that. But it's just like a, it, it's a North American meets are always like a, a more fun location and more like of a hanging out with people and like uh, seeing your old friends again and partying. So I always like those. Was that 2014? Man. Sorry, you go ahead. It, Jessica. it was oh, 14 it and is- 16. It's like fun location. When I went to North Americans, it was a moose jaw. That doesn't even sound like a that is so Canadian. It sounds like a parody Canadian city that Saturday Night Live made up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like moose. moose jaw. <laughs> I, I was a band came in one year for it. It was pretty much that. It was on the water. It was amazing. It was the best time yes. ever. Cayman, I'm jealous. Ca- Cayman Islands 2014, I was at those North Americans and it was just the same setup. You lift and it was like, you look out the window and they had the doors open and there was the beach, you were on a resort. As soon as I was done lifting, I'm like diving in the water, a drink of beers, the whole freaking nine. It that was, was the one meet like all of our friends showed up to come watch. <laughs> they never come to any of them. They're like, oh, we're going to that one. We had like 10 of our friends come watch that, that one. That's where we were supposed to go um, <laughs> last year. Originally, North American was yeah. planned for uh, Caymans for one of them. And uh, it was going to be like, you know, a World Games qualifier and everything like that. Everyone was excited to go there. I, unfortunately, we couldn't go. But yeah. I, I actually was an assistant for the U.S. team and I competed in the one in Moose Jaw. And so, yeah, I mean, Moose Jaw, def- <laughs> definitely interesting place. Like I, I was one of the last ones to leave. So like I found a casino and I went gambling. 
I made like <laughs> whatever, like I made like 300 bucks in your funny money. But when I transferred over with all the funny money, stuff, they gave me like 20 bucks instead of here. <laughs> <your money. laughs> when, you, when you transferred it over, your fees transferring it over made you actually. You're I think that they're I like, son, go burn the money. It's worth more if you just burn it for heat. It. It's worth more if you burn it for heat. I think the only uh, touristy things we did is there's some giant moose you can go take a picture in front of. And yeah, I guess there's, there was also, we went to like the Al Capone tunnels. You can go check them out. No, wait, mm-hmm. oh, we're back it up. The tunnel was Al Capone doing in Moostra. Al Capone <laughs> was in Moostra. Because he was smuggling his alcohol from Canada down into the States. Uh, I, th- I think, I think they took some of your funny money from you, sir. That was, that's uh, they, they saw you coming. They saw you coming, funnel. bud. Yeah. They, some of these Canadians up there saw you coming. They're like, let's take some money off this. Let's take some money off this fucking guy. Yeah, exactly. Let's get some of this American money off this fucking guy. Here's, you see that tunnel, son? Yeah, that was Al Capone's tunnel right there. And <laughs> in, in, in that meet, the way, uh, uh, Ryan Stin had the uh, meet set up was like you can compete in raw and equipped you can sign up for both and just lift raw but he had like the raw in the first flight and the equipped in the second flight oh, so I was competing against one other US guy in the raw and we're like wow we're the only two 93 is like you're gonna get first I'm gonna get second and then it comes the award ceremony and they got the awards messed up because there was one guy in the second flight who was raw and equipped and Ryan and Robert Keller like messed up three times. Like they gave me a medal, then took it away. Brought up, the, <laughs> brought, brought up the other guy, gave me a medal. They said, "Sorry, it's wrong." They took down all the medals again. Moved me from like second place to third place. Put this guy in the second place. Gave us all the medals. And and Ryan felt so bad. He's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Like we messed up this and that." I was like, "Ryan is so nice. Like I can't be mad." I'm like, "Don't worry about it, dude. I don't really care about the medal." At the end, he's like, "Everybody wins. Hey, <laughs> let's just call it even. Call it a spade." Uh, how about how about yourself, Jed? You got you got from the '90s to roll back. If one, if you want to do a couple, go ahead because I think we did. Think well, that we... Grand Cayman one was pretty awesome because um, I'm not sure if I even lifted in that one. Is that the one where the bet was on the line? Yeah, Donovan and Dennis Cherry and Tim Anderson all had a bet on who could win straight up. You know, the best total and uh, Donovan or. Um, Tim Anderson and Dennis Cherry, you know, are both huge bench presser guys. So the bet was um, whoever lost had to wear this teeny tiny pink leopard stripe singlet at the next national. Oh my God. And um, so it was hilarious because like, um, I think, (laughs) I think Tim Anderson, he was like a 205 pounder he was like trying to lift 315 off the floor and he like got back spasms you know? <laughs> and, just, and Donovan who was the lightest of all of them ended up pounding him and Dennis Cherry ended up losing so this is kind of a fun story so at bench nationals he had to wear it was like you know one of those real long knees in the front and it was like a little stripy borderline offensive it was I could not believe they let him wear it because his underwear was showing out the bottom of it. It was so tiny. It came in a little eight by eleven envelope. What the fuck? That's it. It came in an envelope. It did. That's and, they here, it. and he was walking around the warm-up room with like a robe on over it. And you could yeah, tell he was super nervous about wearing it. And if you know Dennis, like he's all like all New Jersey. Any stereotypical New Jersey I don't know, thought you have, that's Dennis, you know, he's all rough and tough and so he finally was back there and he goes fuck it and he took the <laughs> took the robe oh. off and he's strutting around in the warm-up room and this teeny tiny thing and then after the meet he got this um 
email from, and I don't even remember the official name, but it was like um, a gay and lesbian powerlifting group. And they said like how proud they was. He was loud and proud and they were really like appreciated him going out there and attacking those weights like the big grizzly bear he was. Oh my oh, God, and they invited him to the gay games. <laughs> oh, wow, that was a qualifier for the gay game. You know, <laughs> And he's like, I don't, I have helped so many people. I don't want to crush them by telling yeah. them the truth. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So that, that one sticks out. Plus, I mean, it was just way cool. But, you know, one of the other really awesome ones was, you know, just a bench in the beginning. But the one we had in New Zealand, it was in 2001, I think, was amazing. It was the first real meet, like, IPF-wise, where you went there and you were, like, staying in the real city. And you were, like, performing in a stadium. And you were treated like, uh, like true athletes. Like we were in all these news stations and people were like in awe of us being there in our Holy smokes. <laughs> um, it was, it was, um, we were, it was pretty spectacular. Not to mention that like, if I ever had to skip U.S. Cause like I did something, I had to skip the country <laughs> in New Zealand. Cause it's just amazing. <laughs> I love that you threw that in there. If I have, hey, like, I had to leave. Like, I catch no murder. <laughs> if it's murder and I'm going down, the lawyer's like, we're not going to win this one, Jen. My oldest son's adopted, and I always thought, like, if his parents came back after him, I'd take him and I'd leave. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jen, Jen, those are some long car rides, right? When you do scenarios like that, when you're like, you know what I would do? Right. <laughs> I always say it would, be, it would be sweet if we ever went back to Australia or New Zealand for like a, a world championship, just yeah. because they, they seem like really cool places to go visit, but also it would give like everyone who normally like doesn't have to travel as much an experience of what it's like, like for people from New Zealand to have to travel all the way to Europe or the oh, US. Like Brett rough. Gibbs has to go on so many planes for an entire day just to compete and mm -hmm. give everyone else an experience of what it's like to do that on the, on the flip side. Yeah. I've, I've never been. You went there, yeah, right, Jessica? There. You said you went there, smashed some beers, some chicken wings. At the beginning of the year, yeah, yeah. of 2020. That was, part of the reason why, that was part of the reason why you struggled to make what you said last time. You're like, God damn, it was too, it was too much fun. <laughs> yeah, it was actually. Calories do count in New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. I remember the pictures of you guys having fun and, on the beach and whatnot drinking and eating and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, damn, how, listen, before, um, I want to ask you as well, before I forget, um, how is the move up to 76? Have you had to, is there any adjustments on your end or is it just like, man, I'm living the same lifestyle. I just don't have to cut nearly as much. Yep. Living the same lifestyle. Just don't have to cut too much. I think I am going to try to get really close to 76. I think I weigh about 81 kilos right now. And that's just kind of where I Give it some Tend time, you'll stay. get there. <laughs> yeah, I will though. 60 it's... to 70, or they went from 60 to 63, you know? And I was, I was struggled to make that 60. I was like, yeah, 63, because it was just above my walking around weight. Now I have to cut down to get there. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, because before I was cutting from 81 and body weight cutting as close as I could to 72. And now I'll just be doing the same thing, but with 76. Yeah. So that'll be super nice. So essentially... Ah, I guess so. I guess. Your actual training weights, if your body weight hasn't changed during your training time, I guess the training weights, when everything kind of feels more or less the same then. It's not like, whoa, we, mm -hmm. should, we should see Jessica just smashing crazy weights. Well, no, it'll be more of the same. Like there'll, there'll be some improvements here and there, but it's not going to be like when you actually go up a weight class in your body, like, you know, some people put on a bunch of kilos and all of a sudden you're the ragdolling weights in the, in the weight room. I have thought about going 84. It's still not off the table. 
Oh, shit. Oh. Not off the table. Because <laughs> Danny is. <laughs> Danny and Amanda are pretty close in what they lift. So, either way, for me, it's. Uh, would be a battle for sure. There's lots of depth in the 76 though, which I actually like because yeah. it drives me a little more versus it's not that there isn't an 84, but I think there's a little more of a gap between Amanda and some of the others. When so we were we'll in, uh, where was I at? In Colorado, Fort Mills. Yeah. Um, Danny was there. She was talking about going down. She is. She, yeah. She, she was trying to get to 72 before. So I knew she would go 76. She was even trying to go down even lower than that, but I don't it depends. She came on the podcast and said she was going to go 76, but I haven't checked or I haven't heard her say, um, you know, any, any, any cutting updates or, or posting stuff like that. And I also like, I think she's one of the people who are in terms of qualifying for nationals. I think she's somewhat in limbo where she, if I'm not mistaken, right. Is that right? Arian? She's one of the lifters who has to hop online and try to book it last minute. Yeah, because she didn't do 2019 nationals and she didn't compete uh, in 2020 at all. So she has to wait till yeah, March 1st and jump in with everyone else. So I'm not Holy. sure. If, right. So I don't know if that's affecting if she's like, you know, she might still be cutting 76, but I have no idea if she's thinking, am I like, if I'm not going to nationals and I'm not going to worlds because I can't now, um, am I going to cut for like, should I just push it back and just enjoy life or like what do, or am I, do I want to cut? or count macros for a year straight when I'm not cutting, like, who knows? It, decisions change, right? I, I haven't talked to her since then when these decisions got made by the USAPL, so. Well, hopefully there might be some North American opportunities too, uh, you know, some uh, other things coming up. I, I was going to say, I, I'm not her coach and I don't know if they're listening or not, but if it was me, yeah, I would maybe just do <laughs> the North American championships just happens to be in Florida and she just happens to live here in Miami and then just skip out on Belarus and she can continue to cut down to 76 or wherever she wants to go going into next year. So to make it to the North Americans, does she have to lift at the nationals? No, because they're going to pick the team before nationals. So it's going to be picked previously. Gotcha, I think gotcha. um, anyone from April 1st or before is competed can qualify. And North Americans is easier to get in. Like we were talking about uh, Dennis Cherry earlier. He's made it on North American teams for the three lift, even though he hadn't done like a three lift for years, but they know Dennis, like he goes to bench worlds all the time and stuff. So it's easier to put those people on the team. So obviously they know Danny, she's a, a world champion, national champion, so like that. So maybe she can get on the team as an 84, try and go for some world records in her home state, have her family come and watch and then focus on 76 and going to world later on. Could she go as a 76? Or not. Yeah, I mean, with for our national teams, the coaches and the athletes will work together. And if the athlete wants to go up or down a weight class, and the coach sees that like they're capable of doing it, and it can help the team points and stuff like that, we've moved people before. Because the, the temptation there is seventy six right now. Obviously, will be wide open for world records, and that'll be an international event. Um, so it'd be tempting to yeah, yeah. The other benefit with the the North American Championships is we have a it's like a separate competition that's a, for non-scoring so aside from you you don't have a limit you don't have to like you can only send your scoring team that's all the u.s can send you can send extra people in the non-scoring team and also if you're on the scoring team and you miss weight you can still compete on the non-scoring side it's oh, not like good. okay go home you don't get to compete so yeah if she screws up and doesn't make 76 this you can always still just compete as 84 at the same meet damn man this makes more and more sense doesn't it <laughs> yeah she'll make 76 though i'm pretty sure she's cutting right now is she okay? Yeah, I think so. I saw some Instagram posts anyways. I pay attention to that. 
the the big thing is um <laughs> if you're not used to water cutting and stuff like when you first start it's one of those but who knows she could like practice it it's one of man, you got to practice water cutting the the worst case scenario i've seen is the isabella von weisenberg scenario oh. calgary oh, no, oh, so i gotta tell jen jen knows uh she was gonna be in a uh, competing against yourself yeah. that was part yeah. of the hype that um, was yeah it was all about her all about her coming down and how she was going to crush it and she never even made it yes i remember talking to her before that and she was telling me what she weighed at the time and it was like two days out and i just i made my jaw drop because she was she was too far over and to do that kind of water cut i mean it's possible but it it hurts not something a lot of people should do i don't think anyone should do that it just ends up happening sometimes I asked her, I was like, have you practiced cutting before this? She said, she, she had said no. It's like, damn, the first time you're going to do this water cut for the first time ever in your life is going to be at Worlds. Like you didn't practice this at all. So you don't know, you know, how much water. It was, was it Eric Walsh? Am I saying that right? I think he was like brought in to try to help her with um, her nutrition and her weight. Um, but he was like brought in like two weeks out. yeah you know what no she did great with the whole she dieted for the better part of an actual year and she was so lean so she did that part really well I just don't know I just I just don't know if she she hadn't ever water cut before so if you haven't done that then it's kind of tough to know how much it could impact you especially when traveling to from Sweden I think she she was living in Sweden I think at the time yeah wasn't yeah. she? So yeah, you do retain water from the flight, which has surprised me before too. Um, yeah, I think she did her nutrition right. And she really died at heart. I remember how lean she was. It was insane. Um, I was glad she wasn't in my weight class too. <laughs> I was hoping, I was hoping she was going to make it. I was excited about it. Really? So anti-compl- hoping she was going to make weight. Oh yeah. yeah Jen likes the competition. Class. I do. Like, let's go. Let's get some drama going. <laughs> It was the 63s that year. There was tons of hype because you, you had lions in there. Like obviously uh, Sam Calhoun was there. Um, yourself, Hattie. like US had a one-two punch. Sorry, who did you just say? Maria Hachi was there. Maria T was it? Yeah, mm-hmm. 57 kilo world champion oh, yeah. from 2019 was the year before that, 63. Yeah. Yeah, but she was a 63 that year. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And she's like, I, I just mean. Uh, she had won worlds the net previous yeah. or the, the following year just to show she's world class. Like in terms of the overall, how many world class world champions you had to battle? Um, yeah, man, it was it was a it was a lion's den. And then you're right, there was so much hype on Isabella when she decided I'm gonna cut down. She had like, I remember she was on the podcast at the time. She had like sponsors that were from in Sweden, we weren't necessarily aware of them, but they were like, not just normal powerlifting sponsors. We were used to hearing there was a lot on it. Um, Mm -hmm. and to, to Jessica's point, she was absolutely ripped in her videos. Like she was like, wow, this is new. And she was like showing progress pics and people like, Oh my God, you look like you're going to go on stage, like stage ready soon. And, um, the strength was still there which was crazy. Her, her, her strength at the body weight and body fat, usually when you start getting really low, hormones get funky. Like just, you know, the body's like, okay, this is getting weird. You're going to start losing some massive strength now. She in the videos, this is why it's so heavily hyped, was still crushing. And we're, and she was like, I don't, I can't explain it. I'm still hitting PRs. And this is, look at my body weight. And people are like, that's what helped the hype was like, oh my freaking goodness. 
the only way it was gonna the ball was gonna get dropped was the last piece of the water cut. If I could give any advice to anybody, do it a few times practice so you know like how much water do I need to load? How many days out do I have to do this? How many everyone's different? Everyone serotonin levels rise and then you hang on to water because you're stressed. Like and the more you do it, the less the serotonin levels rise because you're not as stressed because you've done it and you're calmer and just do it, do it, do it. Just like anything to practice something like that because it's oh, so yeah. fun. <laughs> dedicated it's true yeah i'm gonna say i've never practiced except for a meet it takes you have to do it for a meet because i I have a non-important meet coming up or something what i did i did exactly that when i cut the 83 i was a 93 i just went to uh, like a small bullshit meet and i was like i'm just gonna hit openers but i have to be in a hotel i have to show up on your time to weigh in i have to i have to sort this out and it was hell and i'm like i'm dropping another two three pounds of body weight i'm not doing I'm like I, you get sometimes you get into your head like mm, 10 pounds i've heard so and so on social <laughs> yeah. jessica bittner does 10 pounds like you're not jessica bittner first off like not everyone's going to be the same so then i was like i had enough time to drop two more pounds and then did the actual meat i was prepping for so yeah like uh, experience means everything it's the only thing she was missing. I really wanted her to make weight too, just because I thought it would be, it would have been an, it would just added that insane. The watching, the drama, the build up, all that stuff, you know, and her, she shared her whole story with everyone. So it really would have been um, something else to have that actually come to fruition. But I don't know. I saw her in the lobby like the day before and I was like, there's no way. <laughs> and, it's, and I think at some point too, a lot of people were a little bit worried about her health um, because she was being like so hard. And she was, I mean, even if she wouldn't actually somehow made it, I don't know how she would have lifted based on how she looked. Like, I mean, it was, it was a little bit scary. I thought. You guys remember when she, she missed weight, someone tried to cheer up and made her laugh and her fucking abs spasmed and held mm-hmm. And someone took a picture because you could see her ab right yeah. through her skin. Like, like they were saying like, like she was crawling onto the scale, like she couldn't even stand. I mean, just like what do you? Think? <laughs> and it was it was near the end of you know weigh-ins closing, so you would only had a half hour to warm up and go from that point. You know, oh, anyway. It, it um like the picture of her ab was like if I had hamburger with saran wrap over it, and it was. <laughs> And it was like a protruding her skin cramped up. And she's like, someone tried to make me feel better making me laugh and this happened. Someone showed the picture. I'm like, holy smokes, man. That is crazy dehydrated. But uh, yeah, it is, I, somehow we were talking about our greatest powerlifting moments and we ended up on Isabella's nightmare. <laughs> 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 oh, I've had that happen too. My abs always cramp like that up top. I do that all the time. Like, Mine get really weird. They cramp up and under my rib cage. So everything gets like sucked up under there. And then I have to try to pull it out. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll one for you. I'm lucky mine's always over top. I wish you'd never, I, I wish I had never heard what you just said. Cause now I'm going to be thinking about it. And oh, I hope it doesn't happen. I've had, yeah, right around the ribs too. I, the exact same thing when I'm water cutting, um, right around the freaking ribs, it gets super tight and spasms and it won't stop. And I got to reach above my head just to stretch them out. I'm like, holy shit, I need to get some water in me. And at that rate, right as we're talking about this, Jessica starts drinking water. It's like a friggin' psychological. <laughs> oh my God, I'm dehydrated. <laughs> right, I'm getting dehydrated talking about this. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about uh, the bench rules. 
I know we covered it last episode. Uh, we covered it last episode for sure, but we have Jen Thompson in here for God's sake. Anyone listening is like, we got it. You covered it last episode, but you also got the, the greatest bench presser of all time. Um, so Jen, you're, you dropped a, you dropped a, a post I had reposted on the King of Lift stories. And um, I don't know if I was surprised, but you were actually not unopposed. And uh, maybe expand on that. Cause maybe some people might have been surprised by that. I don't know. Uh, by the, are you talking about the Noriega? Um, uh, yeah, your take, Noriega, the, the, the Candido proposal. Thing. Yeah, your take on it. Yeah, I, I sort of have a lot of mixed feelings about it because, uh, yeah, like seeing someone um, like have a zero bench as, he, as Candido had on his um, on his YouTube if you watched it or, you know, definitely being at a bench press world to see um, some very short ranged lifts. But I feel like it's almost like um, those just stick out even though there's not that many, because it's sort of like, what the hell? (laughs) So I feel like that's more like, I I don't feel like it's um, a huge problem. um, Because I don't think there's that many people that have such a short range, but it sucks when you compete against them for sure. (laughs) So it's kind of, I also have mixed feelings. The girl that I was um, lifting against right now, Anna, and I can't say her last name. She's from Russia. Do you know how to say it, Erin, with a B? No, nah, I was looking up the name and I don't know uh, how to pronounce, I can't either. Even pronounce it. I don't even know. She's a younger girl. She's like, she is so contorted on the bench. Her legs are like straight out to the side. She looks like kind of like a bug um, with the high power. They <laughs> like go out to the side and hold her in. And she moves it, you know, probably two, maybe three inches. Um, but I find also with those people with those extreme arches, you know, they're able to do a lot of weight, but they have like a, a threshold. Like, because it's 90% technique and 10% strength. So they get to a certain number and they really don't progress much past that number because it's, they're not lifting it with the strength that they have. It's how they contorted their bodies to move the short range. So, um, and then, you know, so, so I sort of feel like, I don't know, like it'd be nice if we did something about it, but at the same time, um, I don't know, it's that big of a problem. And I don't know that that IPF would ever piss off those countries that really are prevalent as high archers you know mm. talk about japan most of those are fairly high you know chinese taipei some of the eastern european countries you know so would they be willing to piss off those countries because i mean those people would lose their um, places right away I mean, mm. if you took their arches away they would be nothing um so they lose their, some of their top athletes probably um, yeah it's interesting too, like if, um, you, you know, given, I don't know, I mean, I don't think we're there yet. I think it, we'd need classic powerlifting to, to last a little longer to get a better sample size. But I wonder if like, if I equate this a comparison to let's say boxing where a guy like Roy Jones or Muhammad Ali in his prime, who, who really heavily uses athleticism to win or um, a guy like George Foreman uses strength. But as time goes by, Will they, when their flexibility and mobility start going out when you're a bencher like that and you become into your forties, strength we know lasts can is lasting to go. But your mobility and, and being able to set up like that, I don't know if it's gonna last as long. I'm interested in seeing if if the the shelf life is gonna remain if you're an extreme set up like that maybe well i don't think there's too many lifters that have been in it a long time it seems like they kind of come and go it's usually kind of the younger lifters like this girl she's really young in her 20s 
Um, and just, you know, I've been in it for so long. I've seen them kind of all pass through. So yeah. <laughs> they, you don't see too many that hang in there really long. I mean, it's definitely not good for our sport as far as a spectator um, sport. Um, I'm not sure how much limiting the arm range would fix it. I think I'd probably help it some. But then I think, you know, as you guys were talking about, how do you, um, as a referee, you can't see where their hands are on the rings. So then you'd have to have probably a legal make different bars with different rings for the different weight classes, which they would probably love, you know, because <laughs> that's true. Right. Selling yeah. all these bars. Sell all new bars. <laughs> Illegals like we're pushing for this, yeah. by the way. Yeah, <laughs> we're pushing for yeah. this, by the way. <laughs> um, that's the only way Dav and I were talking about. And that's the only way I could really see because the only way you can really tell is when you're looking for the super heavyweights to make sure they're at least touching the ring. That's the only time you can ever really, I think, tell where their hands are on the bar. I mean, you put on, you can't tell where their hands are. So, I mean, it would be interesting. I mean, I think it probably would help some, but I think you guys talked about this too, if they'd actually enforce the butt rule to what it really truly should be, that would take care of a lot of it too, so. Which one was that? Is that where the butt stays on it as soon as you touch the bar? Is that where you um, I would even say if they just made everyone's butt stay on the bench, like not even yeah. like where you have to touch the bar and put the bench out. I mean, most of the time the girl's thighs are on the bench or just a little piece of their butt. If you just said, hey, your whole butt's got to be on the bench when you do this, I think it would eliminate some of it as well. Yeah. What do you think, Arian? Uh, yeah. What do you think about that, sir, as a judge? I mean, yeah, they've had different ideas, I think, with that butt rule before, because I think they tried to have a percentage in there, like at least yeah. 50% of your butt has to be touching. And it's like, that's well, hard to, yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> but, You're going to argue that was 49%, with all due respect. <laughs> but, but, but what Jen's talking about is that some lifters really push, like, what is the bottom of your butt and what is the top of your hamstring? Yeah, or, like, yeah. yeah, they squeeze their legs on the side. And it's like, okay, your inner thigh is touching, but is your butt really touching? So some people are like, you're bending down and you're looking and you can't quite tell if that is considered their butt or not. So you have to maybe a little more strict on that. And then the other thing is, it's sometimes it's harder now with the competitions. There's so much stuff going on. You have to set up your chair closer. It's harder to see people's butt come up. Some people lift their butt up when the bar is going down, especially for equipped yeah. lifting. Sure. They lift their butt up when they're going down, but as an instinctive lifter, you want to look like when the, when they're pressing and it gets difficult, oh, now they're going to lift their butt. So some people get away with the butt lift. And you watch the live stream, the IPF media team does a good job of having the camera down low and you can see that, oh, their butt was up and the referee missed it. So maybe you able to get the referees in a better position. You'll be able to catch more of those people. Same thing with the grip. Some of these Japanese lifters in other countries will really push like, oh, is their mm -hmm. finger covering the oh, ring? Yeah, the, it's the like whole, they're, yeah. What's considered they, they the whole finger covering out. the ring. And oh, so if you're stricter sure. on that, that will naturally pull some people's grip in and mess with the, with their the way they're trying to really push those limit of those rules. Yep, yep. What, what do you think, Jessica? Because you don't have a, a super aggressive arch. I mean, you got an arch and you set up obviously, but definitely a fair arch. What are your thoughts on it? Um, can I just say that I'm surprised Sean Noriega was actually for the change? Yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I was no. surprised. A bunch of internet comments are saying Mr. In my career, because that's a it is, well, he has a pretty big arch, which is it's yeah. good though that he's for it for the sport. Right. Um, I wouldn't care if they did change it. Uh, it would probably be like for for me as a long armed bencher, it doesn't make a difference because I can't really bench that wide. It doesn't really doesn't impact myself. Um, like it doesn't help me to bench wider just because I'm not in a good range of motion, but. It does sometimes, I do get 
jealous a little bit when I can, when I see people that are able to set up that way sometimes, because I wish that I could. Um, but they, I think it would be hard to enforce unless you had some sort of attachment on the, the part of the bar where you couldn't touch for each weight class, you know, like a colored piece of plastic or something where this is what you can't touch. Otherwise it'd be way too hard for the refs to, for the judges to be able to differentiate. Yeah. Uh, either, I mean, Aliko's going to push for Jen's idea. And really, only right. the, the yeah. only head ref, really, only the head ref's going to be probably be able to see it unless the side refs get out and check it out before they sit down. Yeah. And that's just one out of three. Yeah. But yeah, I would like some sponsorship from Aliko. They go with my idea. <laughs> Yeah, like I just want to say, I just want to say, I want to back up and delete that post. I'm totally in favor of this. And I'm like, Jen took, we're all like, Jen took the money. We, we know Jen took the money when she backs it all up. Um, it is interesting. And, and it's put it this way. When you, when you talk about the three lifts, bench is one of the only lifts where I can tell you somebody can be outlifted by somebody not as strong as them. Yeah. Usually, you know what I mean? Like it's at the world level. We're not talking amateurs who don't know how to, well, if you go to really shitty squat, no, no. National level, world level, the stronger person's going to squat you, the stronger debtor's going to debt you. But on bench, that might not be the case. You might have, you might be the stronger human being, but you will be outlifted in the bench press because somebody can technically just set up better and have more flexibility, mobility, and just out bench you based off that. That's the one issue I got. A lot That's of really people- frustrating. <laughs> Right. That's the one thing where as a viewer, you know, I mean, it is what it, look at, I, I, all of us here still love powerlifting and none of us walked away because of it. Um, so it is what it is, but I guess the greater question they were posing would be, could we continue to expand, which is always, uh, you know, sports can do make changes and, so and powerlifting has, yeah. yeah. And, you know, people change as the sport grows. So there's always new things that you need to look and focus on. Right. Like you're, I think Arian was saying, like we've changed, the rule books have changed over the years all the time. Um, Got to continue to grow. I'm <laughs> super glad that they didn't, uh, there was a rule that they were proposing about having to roll down your knee sleeves before each squat. I would be so sad and I'm you really glad that they that. did not. Really? Yeah, in oh, the very beginning of class, like they would come in the back room and they would make you roll them down and roll them up. And if you broke a world record, they would come back to you and make you roll them down, roll them up. I mean, they still did some people in Sweden. Did they? It's, t it's technically still in the rule book that you can't use any assistance and the referees are allowed to like, you know, come in the back during warmups and ask you. And so I, I know Johnny Vicklin for a couple of sessions would come back, walk around, check some people out and say, okay, no, you're not allowed to use your this or that and have them pull it down and do it in front of them. Um, so, that, but it's not as bad as it was because I remember so, 2014 world in South Africa was the first world that went for um, yeah, one, of my, one of my buddies uh, competing and he's on deck and he's like putting his wrist wraps on and the, the technical control is like, I need you to pull down your knee sleeves and pull them back on. The fortunate, the, the, the fortunate thing for him was they only wanted him to pull the top down, but leave mm -hmm. like the bottom seam where it yeah. was and then pull it back up. Cause if they had told him pull the whole thing down, oh. like, it was going to be a while. Well, they started doing that because in the beginning, um, people are using vice grips on their, their knees to try to pull them up. Like they were using like tools because wow. they had them so tight. Yeah. And so they're like, for this is not okay. So then I know people, people were using down. like a, like a clear tape wrapped around their shin and then yeah. pulling the sleeve up and then pulling the tape down. So our former equipped lifters. <laughs> sure. Wasn't there someone this year who wore wraps underneath their knee sleeves in a meet? Yes. 
Yeah. That was a different yeah. federation. Right? Not a different federation, but it happened. Uh, some. But, but in the IPF, it was University World. It was like the the girl from India, I think, was wearing briefs underneath her singlet, and they caught her. And like, like, like power power briefs, not just normal briefs. Like yeah. right. Yeah, like power briefs that you wear under a squat suit. Um, and so she got caught with that. But even um, even 2014 Worlds, again, Jen probably remembers, I, I think they caught two people cheating. One was, a, I think, a master's guy wearing an old, old squat suit. And he tried mm-hmm. to play that, oh, I thought it was a singlet. And there was one lady who was still doing <laughs> her bench press. I think it was during your weight class, Jen. Mm-hmm. She had something underneath her shirt or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she's still a lifter. I can't remember her name. She's a older master's lifter now. I don't. You probably know her, Ryan. She's got um, the blonde hair that's super tight to her head, super short. She's I, been lifting forever. I think I know. I don't know her. I can't. Her name. I, I know what you're talking about. Her name. But, um, but what does she do? She had some sort of. We don't even know what it was, but it was some sort of substance on a cotton ball, shoved into her belly button with a belt tied around it. What the fuck? Because I had to go, because <laughs> Kathy Marksteiner, she, <laughs> she made me come with her as like a witness to what was going on. And you're like, I don't even know what I'm witnessing though. What, what no, it was very weird. It was like this weird. It, it sounds like, a, like a, a low form of birth control. What is happening here? What, how does that, how does that? Ma'am, I don't know if this is helping, but you can't wear that. <laughs> you're like, ma'am, you probably lost five kilo off of your squat. I'm going to help you out here. What? <laughs> you're trying to do it's not working it's interesting you said ryan because i feel like for some of these people the amount of effort they have to put on their knee sleeves by themselves i remember in in finland when titan came out with their their x sleeves whatever it was the the yellow jackets whatever and uh, they sent out some of our lifters and one of our lifters bill helmick was in the warm-up room trying to put his knee sleeves on for the very first time and they were tight and he was trying to yank on those things and they're rough on the outside he's like bleeding from his knuckles (laughs) trying to put these sleeves on. I'm like, he's probably losing more from all the effort and strength. <laughs> he's going to get out of these sleeves. Get my opener. <laughs> yeah, it's like, my man, just cut your losses and cut those fucking things off and, and go lift. Um, is part of the reason why those bad boys uh, get tight on you, Jessica, is because you cut water and once you start, you put them on, you start warming up, you're drinking more water, obviously, and, and you have these big water cuts and all of a sudden, like, you just become a little bigger and then you're sweating a little bit and and that's how it goes. Oh, I fit my knee sleeves pretty easily because they're medium. I cannot, cannot fit smalls. I made my knuckles bleed trying to get smalls on Really? Yeah. on the floor of the bathroom one time. Um, just cause I really thought I could do it because the mediums <laughs> aren't that tight. They're really easy to put on. They just kind of slide right on. So, but I cannot do smalls. I have tried very hard and I'm sad about it. I've you had to be able to feel your feet though. If you pull those up. <laughs> Yeah. What? You probably wouldn't be able to feel your feet though after you got those up. Like the circulation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just the calf is the annoying part. SBDs are kind of, they're not that tight around the actual knee. It's just the leg I feel. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I'm team no calves. (laughs) I don't even have big calves though. I swear. Maybe I'm just. I, was, yeah, I don't know. It's all relative. It's all relative here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, this, I'm I quite extra small is no problem. <laughs> yeah. I, re- I, oh remember, I remember I was dating a girl who had uh, knee sleeves and a buddy of mine um, who's like a fucking 220 pound dude. It's like, dude, I don't have, I'm, I'm hitting a PR squat today and I don't have sleeves. It's like, try these on. And 
my girlfriend's knee sleeves. And he was, I was like, my friend, those sl slid on way too easy, man. I was like, when we retell the story, we got to pretend there's like five guys pulling these on you with freaking vice grips, bro, hit calves or something. There's just, anyway, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna say my boyfriend's 265 pounds and he wears the same size knee sleeves as I do. It's, but they're it's, very tight. They're tighter than on me. Like, yeah, like okay. you said, Ryan, sure. I, I think it's some of the proportions because I mean, I, I don't have any calves either. So I think I've put on smalls before. I can't put on extra small because it won't go over my foot. It's just like the diameter is so oh, small. Uh -huh. but, but I think also part of the benefit uh, for me is is having the hair kind of helps like, you know, slide it up. If you don't have <laughs> hair and maybe you, if you have like, you know, drier skin and stuff, it kind of gets stuck. Yeah. So all the girls who should shut there down. There you go, Jessica. <laughs> Problem solved. Does hair... Grow leg hair. Yeah. <laughs> How bad do you want all it, kid? Areas coaching, they all got like ape leg hair. Like ape. That's right. That's when you come, you come in the next world like that. I'm like, she's fucking ready. She's <laughs> she's they're committed. She I barely bend my knees, but I got my small <laughs> knee sleeves on. That's right. I'm like, she wants it this year though, right? The holy moly. Yeah. Squatting 500 too today. Overweight class though. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Um, is there anything else about the, the virtual seminar as well that we should, uh, how do people, how do people find this virtual seminar? Have we covered that? And is it via, um, in terms of a little more details, do you pay for it or is it, how does that work? Um, it's just, you have to make some donation of your choice. Oh, the honor system. It's, well, it's just, well, you can know if you take, make the donation, I'd make the donation, get the link. So ah. you got to donate, but it could be, I mean, it could be a dollar technically, you know, oh, you got, afford. you're going to have a guy like Arian clearing his afternoon tomorrow. Now you shouldn't have said that uh, <laughs> I, he was I busy, went, but he'll make time. If it's a dollar, he'll... I, I went and looked at the link and I saw you guys already broke your goal. So that's great. Oh, it's exciting. Good. Good. No kidding. It's just always, I mean, it's always just, you know, we talk about longevity and all that sort of stuff. It's so good to get back, you know, especially got these young kids trying to grow powerlifting in their university and they're trying to do something cool so they can grow their sport and their community so i mean you give back did they just like hit you guys up through like a dm and say here here's my idea yeah <laughs> fucking wild eh? it is pretty cool <laughs> it is such a small world and they're in uh whereabouts are they in the world they're in australia or new oh, zealand it's canada it's queen's yeah. university oh it's in canada okay Okay, that's, that's why, why there's so many you Canadians. You it it's your, it's your, your country. I, uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I recognize the people were Canadian, but I didn't know whereabouts. For some reason, I thought it was New Zealand or something. But um, yeah, anyways, yeah. I mean, how much do you miss doing those seminars? Because you were part of uh, doing a lot of those women's only seminars with the Iron Sisters. Um, and you guys had, you guys are on quite the roll for a while. There it was you, Kimberly Walford, um, Rhea Stin, and, uh, yeah. And, and it's been a bit now, are you guys planning on bringing that? I guess you got You're kind of on a pause until vaccines go out or who knows, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't even really know when seminars will come back or what people even feel comfortable coming back to them. Doing one in, um, Spokane, Washington scheduled for, um, August and it's, I'm not necessarily policing specific, but it's strength sports specific. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, but, you know, even then, even though I committed to doing it and they're selling tickets, you still have to wonder, you know, what things will look like in August still, right? you know, so at one point we thought, well, surely by August, you know, we'll be good. 
and then now as we you know get into the 2021 is I don't know so um, I'm not sure like I honestly with this uh, quarantine and the staying home and stuff I've sort of enjoyed that it's made me kind of take a step back at my life I think so I was probably leaving town twice a month to go do something um, oh, really? of some sort yeah and um, it's made me kind of step back and think that you know I need to probably um, really value the time I have with my children before they go off to college and um, just take a step back a little bit and focus on some other other things. So I don't think that we'll be returning in that form for a while. And I don't think I will be back to that pace of things. How did that all start up, the Iron Sisters, and doing those women's only seminars? Let's start with Francis Manius. I'm not sure if Jess knows the Iron Sisters up in Canada, um, out of uh, Hamilton and Dundas, um, Canada. But they started, I mean, it really just started uh, with Francis, who's a strength coach. She decided to have a seminar, invited Kimberly Walford, and um, they had pretty good turnout. And um, she has her own little powerlifting uh, club there, Francis does. Um, and then the next year, they invited me. And then uh, it just kept growing. So we had such a positive turnout. It was, it's almost like an adult woman's, you know, um, sleepover weekend or something like that, like a girl's weekend. Like it's so much fun. And um, so then we decided that we need to take it onto the state. So we were doing uh, four or five around the United States. Holy shit. Um, a year for uh, probably about three years. Um, and then, then it ended. <laughs> it's that bomb, that bomb. We'll see. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, Frances, I, I follow her as well. And she's been in the game for a hot minute. She was like yeah. early goings in, in bodybuilding and mm -hmm. uh, been powerlifting and forever. And she's needy. Yeah, I know Arian's well. close with them. And she's been doing some coaching, I know, for your, um, for your national teams. Um, yeah, yeah. She was in Sweden, actually. So, yeah. So she's stepping in as coaching. And um, she's actually, I think she, she, started her own gym now I think for all this and just sort of encouraging women to get under the bar um, sort of thing so I know that we'll still always have probably that once a year in July up in um, uh, um, outside Toronto yeah, but, um, Hamilton. yeah I don't know how much on the road stuff we'll be doing after that yeah the hammer how did you how did you <laughs> we call Hamilton the hammer it is uh it was like a steel town and um, it's got some rough sections, man. It's got some character. Let's say it's got some character. The Hammer, Hamilton. But um, yeah, for sure. And it's, it's when you guys are holding those, what was the reception early? And um, because it, it, I remember when it first started. And again, going back, like just like even a few years, just a women's only, you know, we didn't see a heck of a lot of that originally. Mm -hmm. And um, and was there a lot of demand for it? Because you ended up having you know, having five different seminars and going around the U.S., it's not bad. And, and you know, it's it's quality you guys are putting forth. Yeah. Uh, well, and then it was like Friday through Sunday. So it was like an entire weekend event um, of just all sorts of stuff. Uh, but we would get probably, um, I think the most we took was 40. Because, um, I mean, there's just three or four of us doing it. So you can only have yeah. so many and really give the attention that you need. Um, so we'd have about 40 people each weekend. It just, uh, most of it was beginners. Um, and it, uh, ironically, a lot of it was women starting um, past their forties um, that were just getting into powerlifting and really wanted to learn how to do it well. We had some younger, actually, I and mean, we the age, we had some high school kids all the way to women's in their sixties. 
So Holy it was, shit. Yeah, it was pretty, it was neat. Um, and it was just that you just met some amazing women and create a really neat community where they felt comfortable starting this um, quote unquote man sport, you know, because uh, a lot of the women, the older women, it's still seen as a, a male sport and they feel a little intimidated to get started. So sometimes it's a little bit easier when you got a bunch of women. 100%, you know, yeah. Showing you how to do it and understanding, um, I guess, more of what it's like to be a woman is definitely different than being a man <laughs> yeah so, it, it, uh, I, I can see that dude do, do you would you have people asking like why does it have to be only women how come i can't because i could uh, totally get it we let men come <laughs> we called them our iron brothers oh um, no Ari, shit arian oh, actually really? arian came to uh just the florida one i think right or do you know you did you come to another one other than that one no just the florida one just the florida one with the girls powerless um so we did have some male coaches in there too sometimes um, and if in a man, and sometimes we had um, women that were being coached by a man, and the man would come in as like a what we call the sideline participant, just to sit on the sidelines and see what was going on and learn from what we were doing. So um, we did let we did, and it wasn't only women. We let some we, we let the men in there; they could learn too. Thing <laughs> like if you see the lo- the roster of like some of the greatest lifters of all time, like and it's in your town or within driving distance, you're like fudge. Can I try to get in there, man? Can I be? I won't say much. You know, I'll just keep. Yeah. You know, can I just be the back and whatever? But uh, we had some of that, yeah. Or sometimes it was like a um, a husband that his wife wanted to get into it, so he wanted to be supportive and see what was going yeah. on and learn from it. And so it was good. And I did like I did other seminars outside of that that were that were co-ed, but the Iron Sisters mostly was predominantly women. But we did we did let the let the male gender in every once in a while. <laughs> I would have been at the door like, take a walk, bud. Take a walk, but and then that's when I'd be like, easy, easy, easy. You got money. Like, it becomes with money in hand. Show me the let's, green. Let's talk. But um, but it is true where like um it's a different environment when you get if you if you got like 35 guys in there, or if you just cut that down a little bit. And I don't know if men fully might get it. It's like, man, it is a little different though. You know, like I remember like my husband, I when he first started coaching me, he was a high school wrestling coach for 10 years and like we had to have a coming to jesus moment so i'm like listen i am not one of your high school wrestlers i do not want you yelling at me i don't want you putting me down <laughs> quit yelling quit yelling at me <laughs> i need positive reinforcement i cannot do it like this so, i mean it is different <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean uh have you ever been in any of these kind of seminars have you done a lot of seminars yourself jessica uh we've done a I've done a few actually, not um, or a couple, I guess. We were doing some kind of ladies' nights at our local gym, Rise, kind of about four times a year. We only did, I think, two or three of them so far, but it was basically beginner to intermediate lifters who are a little bit uncomfortable and intimidated by powerlifting gyms or the um, non-women side of the gym and uh, we would have 20 to 30 people out every time and we would eventually oh, wow. get into groups and go through squat bench and deadlift and it was super cool and then we because uh you'd see a lot of prs get hit by people who are really unsure of themselves at first and have a couple beers after and oh, donuts shit. and beers <laughs> and it was yeah exactly we called it saturday or friday night at the at the bar kind of thing yeah and then you literally went to the bar, though. That's the- <laughs> they're like ironic. Did, did you say that ironic? I, no, we didn't actually go to the bar. We okay, had a lot of donations. Say. We would just uh, ask local companies, like they they donated a keg of 
cider, I think, or beer, oh, something shit. like that. And then Lululemon donated like gift bags for everybody. Oh, nice. And Damn. yeah, and we have a lot of local partnerships at that are pretty good actually. <laughs> and uh, we had the donuts donated as well from a local company. They're really good. Yeah. You are like night. hitting, you are checking everything off for me on a point. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like I will, I'm there. What the hell, man? Beef, drink donuts, one. weightlifting. I'm in, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is, um, it's cool. Cause I, I mean, first off, when you said you, you had people hitting PRs, holy sugar, just on the spot, you fix up a, spot, a squat. Usually you can't guarantee like, I'm gonna fix this and you're gonna hit a PR right there in a the spot for me. Like that's the magic right there. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's got to feel nice too to be able to actually like rate on the spot give that kind of improvement oh for sure most of these people were very most were very beginner so it was just a confidence thing and just having a spotter and someone to point out their technique uh but yeah it was crazy to see i get so hyped up when i see people hit pbs i asked what's the most you've ever done they're like uh maybe 100 pounds or something <laughs> and they're like oh and then we're loading up like 135 on bench and stuff and there's yeah. one girl who deadlifted i think she deadlifted 300 pounds actually oh damn yeah so you actually got some talent coming out of your scouting little talent pool yeah little talent pool wow <laughs> um and do you do you do online coaching now as well did i see that or am i making that up you're making that up because I? I thought about it, <laughs> but uh, I, I thought about it. Time. I just don't have the I've got to work at everyone's the job at the pharmacy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, Holy it's shit. busy yeah. right now. So I would like to, though. I might slow things down maybe. Once things open back up, I kind of, I should chill out a bit because it's been, COVID has been just a crazy, it's been a crazy year in the working at work for anybody who is yeah. still out there working, mm-hmm. I think. There- there's, there's the thing with coaching. So for a little while there, I was doing some coaching before King and like really started taking off. And then like, once you start getting super busy, you're like, holy smokes, I can't do, um, you know, it was mostly people I saw in, in real life, but then uh, like not just online, but a little bit online as well. And then King of started taking off. I'm like, I'm not doing everything. I got a day job, King of and I train and blah, blah, blah. Right. And then I was like, this is too much powerlifting too. But then um, I, uh, the, this one kid came in the gym who was Kafui, who ended up winning the Canadian nationals, getting top three and breaking a world record in deadlifts. And that happened. He walked right as I was like, King of stars taken off. And I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore because I'm just, it's, I can't. And then, and then the kid walked in. And you're like, I, I just fucking knew by looking, those are some deadlift arms on. <laughs> we could work with this kid. And, um, <laughs> It, it's there's something to there's something about going through that journey with someone not a whole roster like jam was saying where it's like if it's a lot of people you're like okay too many but if you can find that one person that you see something special and you almost got to get a little lucky with that because not anyone's going all the way to worlds and breaking world records but the enjoyment i got like going through that with him checking things and like checking up like in terms of bench squats, let's change this, do this, let's try this. And, the, and then when the improvements start happening and you're making gains and then you're walking into nationals and you got like a game plan going and you're like, okay, who are you going against? And you're doing things like, okay, he's a squat bencher, but he doesn't have a dead. 
So we're going to have your dead really high and we want him to overreach on squat and bench and then misses thirds and he did it exactly that. And then when deads come, you lower your opening dead and he's like, fuck me, the forecast was off. Kind of like what Jen does to people. And, uh, you know, you, you just, you just fuck with people, but you're like doing this the night before he's like, is this going to work? It's going to work, man. It's going to just get it. And you're just never let him look at the forecast. The, the, the excitement of doing this, the, like doing this with someone else and then watching and your butterflies and then when they make the national team and they go to worlds and then he ended up breaking a world record, like not, it's not all going to happen like that, but I'm, I'm telling you there's something about it, but I know it's, it, it's, you're going to have to go through so many people who quit on you in six months and whatever, before you finally find that moment, which someone else found probably with you guys. And we're like, holy smokes, this is amazing. But uh, I don't know, something to think about Jessica, but yeah, you're super freaking busy. But if one at some point in your life, at some you, point, so, listen, listen, just keep your eyes and ears open. Someone's gonna walk, get through this. <laughs> so, yes. someone's gonna walk through that gym door, and you're like, "This is the one." We're, this is the one. This is the one. She's gonna be in the back stuff. room of the pharmacy, like writing programming at work. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Exactly. exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, whatever. It is what it is. Um, listen, guys, you guys, we would just belt it off two hours, by the way. And um, me and Eric, just walked in the room. He's like, <laughs> "Yeah, you guys still going?" I know it's Saturday night, and you guys are giving me your time. Um, and me and Aaron, we're gonna do like a like an intro, but uh, this is gonna be a fucking long podcast, Arian. We'll we'll talk after we let the ladies go. We'll we'll do a very brief one. But um, before we let you guys go, is there? A, do you guys want to shout out first off your your um, social medias? What you guys are doing next? What maybe we can anticipate? I know it's 2021, so I know for Jessica, we don't even know what the hell's going to go on with our nationals. Uh, yeah, they say they're going on in May, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I do would not think so. So I'm not really going to plan for that. We'll see. I have zero clue. Just going to keep lifting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to deadlift 600 pounds this year so bad. Holy I don't even care if it's with a deadlift bar and I have to use straps. I don't even care, but... You said it here, right? Want this to happen? That's a you know what that Arian. That's a sound. I don't clip. even care if uh, it's. I don't even that's care a clip, Arian. Where the, the uh, King of the list will repost it. I'm doing. The, <laughs> no. I'm doing the. I'm doing the Bill McCarthy okay. mic drop thing he did. Whatever they shit, I don't know. Make it work. <laughs> no. It didn't come off the way I wanted. Damn, I got amped up and just shouted that out. Uh, <laughs> let me take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Any goals you want to shout out, Jen? Yeah, 400 pound bench press. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, the goal is just to, uh, well, you know, nationals coming up in June, and I have uh, nine national titles, so I really want double digits. So, um, coming back from injury and time off, it would just be pretty darn awesome to take that first place again, but it, it's going to be really hard and exciting and the kind of situation that I love to be in. So <laughs> what, what happened in that injury? I actually uh, was going to ask you about that. Oh, uh, I, I broke my hip. Holy, <laughs> <An old lady. laughs> Holy shit, Jen. But I know. Is it, does it give you comfort knowing you've been through, you know, you've been through the ringer and, and come back stronger? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'll get there. And, and uh, honestly, like this COVID thing has been super helpful for me because it's given me so much extra time to kind of recovery and bring, get my strength back and, and really get back into the game. So um, small positive and a horrible pandemic, but 
Um, I'm just really looking forward to get back on that platform again on a national level. It won't be the same, you know, as it normally is. Be smaller yeah. and not a lot of big crowds and stuff. No prime time, which is always so much fun, but I'll take it. <laughs> and you hit a 475 on your comeback. That was the first one back, right? Yeah. Yeah. I tried, I tried for a PR on my squat and missed it. <laughs> well, you must have been feeling good though. I was. <laughs> I knew my deadlift wasn't quite quite there yet. Um, I need more more time to get back on my deadlift, but my squat was um, get getting there and I was like, I'm like, I was going like, I might as well just go for a record or something. Fuck it. And then I missed it. <laughs> Let's give everybody something to talk about. Let's do yeah. this. My right. bench is always there. It's my good, my standby. So I broke the world record unofficially and the bench, but. Yeah. And that just never stops gaining, huh? Oh, it's just, it's, it's just small little gains <laughs> over time. Just little baby ones. Old reliable. <laughs> you you yeah. always got that sword. You can always pull yeah. it out if you need it. Yeah. Always there, my standby. <laughs> how about how about you, Erin? Did you have any? Did we cover everything in our discussion, Erin? We had a brief back and forth before we came on. I think we hit everything. I mean, I had a list of like ten things you and I came up with, and I only marked off like four of them because you just like you know went I, off the track. We barely I, talked about the bench charge thing, but I think the the one thing we can knock out real quick since it's the end okay. um, yeah. is you you both can't answer this by saying each other but is there anyone for this new year any lifter or weight class that you're looking forward to oh, oh that's a hard one yeah looking at 20 okay so cuz for myself let, let me throw this out there maybe this will stimulate maybe this give you time to think mind. give me time first off i'm going yeah this this is what i do as a host i give i give people time to think although jessica perked right up and i think she might have something but let me let me let me let me give something out here I think in, in the men's division, I'm very excited to see what Ashton does. Who's just, he's, I just posted him earlier. The guy's a 105. He's squatting 365 kilo, 185 pounds. It's stupid. I, it's incredible. It's crazy. I, I mean, it's, I, I need to see this guy at an international level and I need to see it in 2021 and I need to see him at the worlds and, and with USA across his chest. That's what I, there's something I need to see. Okay. Um, so I'm very interested there. I am very interested in seeing how the 76s roll out um, and in the 69s as well. I don't, we don't know how this is going to, you know, we got some ideas, but, um, you know, is, is, is Danielle Mello going to be able to get to nationals or, or where her route is, even if she, if she decides, you know, what her decisions are going to be. And, and even if she, if it's possible, because it's still up to like the lottery that she has. And then you have like the, uh, you know, the Kristen Dunsmores, et cetera, they're going 69 and and just like even globally, this is going to roll out. So I'm interested in seeing how the dust settles because breaking up the 72s, that was such a talent related division that uh, breaking it up, I want to see how, if, uh, you know, initially, if, if there's a massive depth there or, or what's going to go on. And then there's the 63s, Jen. And um my lord, you never have an easy year, do you? No, it's never easy, Jen. It's, it's like the sixty threes is like, uh, like the, it's just there's more women the size, like it's like an average size for a woman I, to be, and yeah. so it it brings in a lot of competition just because of just that statistic alone. Um, I'm interested. I've been following uh, Carola Guerra yeah. online a little bit, and so I'll be interested to see um, what she can pull off this year and uh and um leah bavois is fucking yeah. 
what the hell is going on with this young lady? Holy moly. She <laughs> is uh, murdering some weights as well. Uh, Gara, it's got a hell of a bench on her. Um, a little shy on yourself, but she, she came on the podcast. She said um, it would be huge for her because we had talked about, you know, there's, there's so many records in, in powerlifting. There's so many records in powerlifting. And she said, like one of the main records in powerlifting that's iconic is the Jen Thompson 63 kilo bench press. And it's, and it's true though. Like, like uh, I don't say it's just cause you're there. I said it on the podcast there, there, there's every age group division. There's a record, but one of the records that everyone knows, it doesn't matter. You're going to know 63 kilo bench press, right? It means more. And she's like, that wouldn't, that's not like, you know, with all due respect to everyone else who's got bench records in their weight classes. If I ever took Jen's, that would be like, that's Jen Thompson's, you know, you're, 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 every, everything you've done. Right. Well, it's not even just mine. It's like higher than the weight classes above us, you know, right. so that sort of makes it a little bit. And at one point, I'm sure it probably looked impossible, but now as women are getting stronger, you know, they're getting closer and closer, which is wonderful for our sport. Um, so that'd be good. It'd be interesting to see like, you know, if we do, maybe we do need to get that um, hand thing moved in more. I think that would hurt her chances. I might need to call legal right now. <laughs> you send that that email is writing itself at this point. You're like, listen, let me get this off the. While I'm inspired, while I'm while I'm inspired, let me get a glass of wine and start right getting a legal. Now, now, Ryan, here's here's an interesting thing. Maybe we can plant the seed in Jen's mind. I, I don't know how much water she can chug and maybe put some quarters in her pocket. But with this new weight class, the 76 kilo world record, this is the standard at 135. So what, what if we can get Jen to 69.01 and break oh the God. world record in the 76s? She'll have the world record in three weight classes for the bench. I just don't, how many pounds is that? Oh my gosh. Jen, you could take the 69. You do it. You could take yeah, the, holy water. shit. What are we doing I, here, guys? I, are we handling Jen? Are we coaching her right now? Let's do this. I she stuff, is a team of people. Advice. Just like put, put earrings on, like put a chain on. Jen, like let's do this. You said 69. So that's 152. I probably could have done that last fall after the quarantine. Was pretty quarantine close. pounds. Let's do this. <laughs> but you, you can, you can even water load like the, for the opposite purposes, water load, hit it. Boom. Imagine you, you got the bench world record in 63, 69 and 76. Holy shit. Cause you just need to be stretch marks to prove it. Oh, wow. <laughs> that would be free. Freaking look at Arian's already plotting your future. Yeah, that'd, be, right? <laughs> that'd be amazing. Um, they do say that here's the bittersweetness about having a record. Your name gets out there when you break the record and your name gets out there when someone else breaks it. And it's almost like passing the legacy here. Um, would you have mixed emotions if you had to watch Gara? She's, look, she's class too. She's the world champion right now. Oh, would I have mixed feel? emotions if she-, if how, she how would you it? feel watching it? Would you be, it's bittersweet. It's like, okay, well, it's gotta happen. Yeah. I don't know. Cause it's kind of hard because I've had it forever. Right. <laughs> hard right. to imagine like, I sort of forget about it sometimes, I guess. Um, I guess, I mean, if she broke it, it would make me hungry to come back and get it again, honestly. Um, so it'd be a little bit, bit of drive there. Um, but I mean, she gets it with a, 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 good, a good lift, um, with a good bench. I mean, it just, for me, it's, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't cry about it. Mm. <laughs> for sure. It's but, bound uh, to happen, right? It, well, it says a lot 
where our sport has gone to as far as women and just upper body strength. I mean, when I first started doing this, I mean, women were even within a hundred pounds of what I was just, you know, doing. And now that they're so much closer, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. There's a lot about where we're going and how strong we have and what we're capable of. And even um, when you have like the world champion talking about your world record like that, and it brings more attention to it all over again, right? Like I, you're still you're still lifting though, but like usually in other sports, after you've retired, it's kind of rested until someone gets close, and they're right. like, oh my god, oh my god, it's getting close, and all of a sudden your record becomes relevant again. Now you're in like baseball, now you're doing media tours, and you've been retired for twenty years. It's different with yourself though, because you you are never going away. Right? <laughs> you're like, it doesn't seem that way. <laughs> you're like Jay Z, Forever Young song. That's your theme song when you come out to to lift. But uh, cue that up. It is what it is. Um, so. Is, is it the 63s then that you're, you're anticipating watching and seeing what Gar does? And is there, is there anyone else or, yeah? Uh, yeah, it was that and live like you were talking about. Um, it will just be interesting to see like how the weight class changes um, and, and what that's gonna bring out of these women. I mean, it's, it, the thing is now, like there's, you just never know when the new world champion's gonna be around the corner. Like you just, like, you know, you have some names that you see over and over and over again, but they can easily go away now. So, and, and it's the popularity and the built up of our sport. So um, you just never know. And that was, you know, as I've gone through my um, uh, career of lifting of over 20 years, Donovan's always told me, he goes, you never know when the next Jen Thompson's coming, be ready right. for. Um, because I came out of nowhere. Like I, my first meet every, everyone's like, who the heck is that, <laughs> you know? And so, we've sort of lived our training on you just never know who the next one is and you don't. So that's who we think right now, but we'll be talking about somebody else next time. <laughs> yeah. And, and with the two new weight classes, people are just going to be like, look at, I was never, I was never going to make 63 and I, I wasn't fitting in at 72. It's just not the way my body rested uh, optimally. And now that we have 69 and the same thing with 76, people will come out of the woodwork. It won't take we'll, long. We'll see. Yeah. It will see a more competitive. I think women's just, um, sport overall because those weight classes are just in the sweet spot where the, the numbers are so we'll mm. start seeing even more competition and i think we'll see the sport grow even more yeah you hit it right on the head when you said um when the population walking the face of the earth once you start lifting weights end up falling in these weight classes it's going to be deeper competition obviously that's just the way she goes whereas if you're in a rather unique body type like a fetishenko um i mean frick You'd be hard pressed finding anybody Fedoshenko size, let alone a gentleman who lifts weights like Sergey Fedoshenko um, and ends up his size. So then it's just not going to roll out the way, you know, it's, the depth of competition isn't going to be there like that. Yeah. Um, how about, how about, uh, we got Jessica come back. Jessica, who did I you actually, get? Oh, well, I got three hours of driving to do. Okay, no worries. Gotta, we'll let you go. Yeah, well, you, you gave us over two. Yeah, I gotta go. I just realized. No worries. You gave us over two hours. Like it's not like you're jetting, you're jetting early. Uh, listen, much appreciated, and um, thanks for joining in. Good luck with training, and we'll keep we'll uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been great. Talk to you later. See ya. Bye. Bye. And uh, maybe you know what, Ari? Maybe we keep um, some of these discussion points, and we let Jen also. I mean, she's at the. She's at the lodge with the family. 
I, I listen, I left directions on the counter for them how to make dinner and it's, <laughs> and it's smelling like something's burning. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just like, sort of, oh my God. You just have to bring Jen on another time to keep discussing these topics. Yeah. Say, you should just need to have us all back again later so we can carry on because this was fun. That's right. Yeah, man. We killed two hours pretty easy. Listen, Jen, thanks for coming on. Uh, good luck with the comeback. We're all going to be watching and rooting behind you and uh, we'll keep in touch. All right. Thanks so much. Bye, See guys. Later. Bye. And my friend Amian. <laughs> then there was two. We uh so look at we we were gonna do for everyone listening an intro, but look, I don't think we gotta do an intro now. I was just gonna mention, you know, I was gonna bring up like how how you been, obviously the UFC, we're both UFC fans, etc. Uh I did a quick little antidote. I did a freaking podcast with LS McLean for his channel. I'll probably take the audio and drop it here as well. And it was before the UFC, it was the day of. And he was asking me my picks and he wanted to like pull up the card and go through it. I'm like, my man, it's going to happen tonight. You're not going to drop the podcast till afterwards. <laughs> the, the, you know, usually people don't like a preview of something they already saw. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And he's like, oh, who do you think is going to win? I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to say for the record, both my picks dead wrong. Conor McGregor gets destroyed. Um, I said Hooker is going to be Chandler and Hooker got destroyed. Um, and and then he's mess. He's posting in his story, tagging King of the Lift, saying, "Fucking told you so." I'm like, "God damn it!" <laughs> I was. I should have just said, "No, I'm not gonna do this." But um, it is what it is. But when I, he's gonna post his audio. I'm gonna post the audio. I already asked him, "Hey, can I take this audio? Post it for the King of King of the Lift listeners, listeners as well." And um, you guys aren't gonna hear that. That's getting edited out. Okay. It's never going to make the cut. You want to hear me make a fool of myself, go over to LS's and, and download it. And I hope it's fucking two and a half hours in because we, and I hope you never find it. I hope it's buried somewhere in a long ass conversation. He, he wanted to, he wanted the sound bites to use against you, but, but I mean, that's where I think the money started on Chandler and it quickly shifted to hooker and hooker was the favorite. People were saying yeah. people who come to the UFC always have a, a bad first fight and everything like that. And for, for Connor, I mean, I think he was like minus 300. He was, he was a big favorite for that one. And, and I mean, some people may have thought like, okay, he's going to get taken down or something's going to happen. He's not going to have the conditioning, but the money was still on him being a favorite. It just happened to be double upset. Dude, it's true. And thank you, sir. That wasn't crazy with my, I was actually betting up. I didn't bet even I predicted in line with what the consensus was. It wasn't like I was, and I didn't do that on purpose. I'm just, I just say that as in, I wasn't crazy. I wasn't just talking out of my ass here. Like, what the hell are you talking about? I was going in favor of most people were picking Connor. Most people were picking hooker. They were close. You know, they were close bouts, but it is what it is. And for, for my picks, I mean, I was, I usually pick with my buddy. And so like, as we're going through each fight, I might like change my strategy. Cause I might be behind like two fights, something I have to catch. Yeah. Up. So uh, initially I, I picked hooker because again, he has the experience. He was taller. He's got the reach Chandler's coming in from another organization. Who knows if he's actually good compared to the UFC fighters. And then boom, he gets knocked out. And I was like, now I was behind my buddy. I was like, I have to take Poirier because he was going McGregor. I was like, I have to take Poirier for love. Say, I go, I hope he can take him down or do something. And then the first round, he takes him down. I'm like, okay, I'm looking good. He's getting the leg kicks in. I'm like, oh, I'm looking good. And then boom, he clipped him. And I was like, oh, I, I guess I win just because I was down. I picked Poirier. Put it this way then. Okay. Um, we got a UFC coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to do a couple more podcasts by then. But Usman versus 
Gilbert Burns for the welterweight title. We don't have to go through the whole card or nothing. You know, people, anyone listening has already been listening for two hours. And you're like, my brother, I'm not going through a UFC interview with you guys. Okay. I'm going to humor you for five minutes of a UFC, UFC talk at the end. But, and we'll probably bring it up again. But I'll, for the record, who's going to win between Usman and, and Gilbert Burns? Uh, without having a look at the stats, just watching them fight and stuff like that. I need mean, your I, gut reaction. Let's go. Need, need your gut reaction. I got to go Usman. He's just too good. All right, so here it is. <laughs> Everyone I've heard, I've, 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 I read articles, listen to podcasts, I'm big time into it. Like I love, I love digging in. And um, a lot of people said when they, when they spar and they train, Usman generally gets the better of it. And the teams around them, for anyone who doesn't know their teammates, thinks Usman, but I'm going to go Burns just for the fuck. Cause I'm on a shitty roll right now and I need an underdog to pull through. And last time I went favorite and favorite, I, I got egg on my face and, and my man LS is posting up and tagging me in post and, and pointing at the camera saying, I told you so. So let's go. I'm going all in on the underdogs. All right. We'll see if we get another sound bite to use against you. And also, yeah, <laughs> it's getting wild. Exactly. And, and, and how are, as everything else going, sir, you've been busy. Yeah, I've been busy posting whatever I can and uh, coaching my lifters that I have. I'm getting some some new people hopping on and then just figuring out what the plan is because no one was ready for all these nationals being split. So it's like, okay, if, if you're a team lifter, do you want to go to Colorado? If you're a junior, junior lifter, do you want to go to Louisiana? Uh, we'll see who gets in for the Open. So um, I have to wait and see. It looks like one of my lifters wants to do Colorado, so I have to go there. And then obviously I'll be in Florida. So just figuring out what the, the plan is for this year. And then from there seeing is world's going to happen. Is it going to happen in Belarus? And are we going to send a team? Right. And have you been doing, cause you're in Florida, you're a Florida man. Have you been doing, <laughs> sounded weird, huh? Um, you're a Florida man. You're a Florida guy. Um, have you been doing competitions in terms of coaching in terms of health setting up? And are you guys still running meets down there? Yeah. Robert Keller runs most of the meets. He runs like, 10 to 12 meets a, a year. So he, he's put, put all those back on starting in uh, July of last year. It was when he started July and he's been doing like at least one a month. I haven't been going to all of them. Like the first one I went to is October. So like from, you know, how everyone stopped at March, March to October, I didn't go to any. And I've been going here and there just depending on whether he actually needs my help. Some of the meets are small. It's like 30 lifters. He doesn't need me to drive four or five hours just to help him. Damn. Um, you would yeah. do, you drive four or five hours to help it, him out? It's Florida. I mean, I mean, I guess you guys in Canada are used to it too. Things, things are long. So for us, like, yeah, on average in Florida, you're driving three to five hours to go to competition where like people like in New York, who don't have a car and stuff like that. Like they're just staying within New York city to do a competition. There's no way they're going to get like on a bus for an hour or something like that. So it's different areas you are. Um, so I, I routinely like, yeah, drive three and a half hours, 250 miles to go to Orlando since a lot of the competitions are in Orlando. And then a few weeks ago, I had my competition down here in South Florida. So we, we had just a, a smaller meet than we normally do. Uh, well, Saturday was just one session. Um, I'm pretty easy. Um, so been going to a few competitions here and there. Um, they had one uh, last week I didn't go to. They have one in February I'm not going to. And then we'll have our military nationals in March in Orlando will be like the next one I'm going to. Damn. And, and how was it running that? Was it, was it like, I, is it a, it's a lot of work running a competition, no? Yeah. And with this one, like, it was like, okay, Florida still has restrictions on like size. So like, okay, let's wait, let's wait, let's wait. When do we want to announce it? 
Then at a certain point, I was like, okay, I'm going to announce it. And I put out videos and post telling people like, hey, we're going to go forward for now with the idea that the size restrictions will stay or improve and not get worse. But if it gets worse, then we'll refund everyone. And I did it where the competition was like beginning of January. And so I did it up to December 1st. If you ask for a refund, I give you your money back. No questions asked because I wasn't spending any of the money. But December, I'm going to start spending all the money for the meat. So no more refunds. You're committed and you're coming along with us. So we lucked out that Florida loosened up the restrictions. Uh, we were able to run the competition. We had less entries than we normally do. And it was also like good weather. So we opened up the garage doors to the gym and we had extra people outside. So we just told everyone, hey, only bring one coach if you're raw, two coaches mm. if you're equipped. And then we're only going to do 25 seats, 25 spectators. We only had 25 chairs out for in the inside for people, uh, spectators. And then the rest of the people, you can sit outside or stand outside um, and hang out over there. And so it was difficult to deal with slightly more expenses, getting all the masks and cleaning supplies and everything like that. Um, but it, we were able to make it work. And for the most part, people follow the rules. Sometimes you have to like, you know, just stay on top of them. Yeah. People, people enjoy being outside and, and, and we survived the meet. And a competition was had, man. Otherwise, yeah. look at, I mean, our sport would not, I don't know what would happen if we just straight had a dead stuff for a year. We could lose, the impact could have been, we could have lost a lot of lifters. Yeah, like I, I know they're talking about uh, with the Olympics, like they're saying like whatever, 75% of uh, people in Japan don't want the Olympics to happen. They want to get postponed again. It's like, sure, if you postpone Olympics a second time, people are still going to, you know, train for the Olympics. People are still going to get paid to eventually go to the Olympics. Some people might like, you know, get too old and never be able to do it, but people will still go. But if you like don't have an IPF World Championship for two years and you don't have like a US or a Canada national championship for two years like how many of these people are going to be gone and never come back just because like what's the point they have nothing to compete maybe their gym is shut down they're not training they feel like they're so far behind and so yeah the it, it's hard to know the repercussions of like how many members are you going to lose and how long it's going to take you to get back to just where you were before and enthusiasm wanes i mean we're not a sport that's you know we're like football or the aforementioned usc or anything that like we need people in the gym excited, hitting PRs and wanting to go forward. Like if you just don't know what you're training for, you're just exercising for two years with no competition in sight. Like it, we lose enthusiasm, man. We we thrive on people hitting PRs and and chasing new platform experiences. Like it would, I, it, the fact that we do have some competitions and worldwide on a global scale, some of these these countries actually are open. And, and they're, they're moving forward and, you know, they have competition. So not just us, like we're okay, but for the bigger competitions, if we go and it doesn't look like it's going to be this way, but if we don't have us raw nationals, we don't have Europeans and we don't have worlds again for a second year in a row, things are going to start getting tough. Things are, well, I, I don't want to be pessimistic, but there will be the one year. Okay. All right. Two years in a row. And then by the time we do it, it's been three years. There yeah, will be some impact. There has to be. Yeah. I think especially maybe for the age divisions too. Like if it was like one of your last few years as a sub junior or junior, and then like, you know, yeah, there's no world championship for two years or three years and age out. Then you're like, well, what's the point? Like I missed out on my yeah. whole junior, junior opportunity. I'll just go do something else. Or maybe like there's no competition. So you end up like, you know, getting a different job. You start a family, you have yeah. your kids or something yeah. like that. 
Yeah, just life in general. You weren't going to. You. This was the time. This was the time. If I started making massive gains in the next two years and I saw reap the benefits, I won titles, and maybe even after I got the new job, I would have made room. But for two years, I did nothing. Then I got the new job. Now you want me back. It's different, right? It's different. It's easier to get me in when for the last two years, so I did two years in, and then the next two years I was killing it, making nationals and do making national teams or whatever it is. Now when something comes, nah, but this is a part of me now. Whereas when you're two years in, you're not crazy in. You're just two years in, then you take two years off, maybe three. It's a lot harder to get me back. I probably moved on. Yeah, it's just, you move on with things, man. Life goes on. Other things enter your life. It is what it is. We'll lose momentum. And then on top of that, the federations, you hold those big events and you collecting fees and, and the sponsorships to hold the events and whatnot. I don't know how all the money is going to get collected now and how great, even just financially, the burden that's going to happen in terms of shrinkage there. So it's, you know, everybody's going to feel it. If, if like one year, okay. But if it goes two years and God, man, I don't even want to look past that. There'll be something though. There'll be, if it goes two years, no US Nats, Europeans or Worlds. Because Europeans is pretty much the equivalent of US Nats. Um, and then Worlds is Worlds. We do that twice, back-to-back years. Now we're not folding up. We're not packing our tent. It's not over. But there will be, there'll be some repercussions. It'll be different. So we'll see. We kind of chatted on that. We're going to ask the ladies about that. But, you know. Man, we got a little chatty, didn't we, for, sir? Yeah, I mean, you're already seeing some of the repercussions now because, I, like, uh, I just know from like the USAPL membership, like it's already it's already dropped in 2020 compared to 2019, um, and so now it's like, okay, now let's see how many years it takes to get back to where we were in 2019. Does that happen this year, or again, like you said, maybe things get canceled and this year is like another year where we go down? Then it might take you know, se- several years just to get back to 2019. Um, like this, the same thing, uh, like you were mentioning about my coaching and stuff like that. Like I know from my coaching numbers, I don't know, like, you know, CPU numbers, IPF numbers to know, but I know like from my coaching, I went from like, let's say 30 clients down to like 10, as soon as the pandemic hit, because, because the 10 were the only ones that have home gyms, the rest of them are like, I can't go to the gym. What's the point. So from those 20 that dropped out, that didn't have a gym to go to, maybe some of them will never come back. Maybe some of them will slowly over time. Like, you know, you don't have a coach to stay on top of you. So like, you know, you train less maybe you relax your nutrition, your body weight goes up. And then you're like, now I'm too far away from my weight class. Well, I don't want to compete anymore if I'm not that weight class. Or maybe you like come back to the gym, you push something too hard, you injure yourself, you tear something. Now you're out for another year. And you're like, ah, now I'm done with this sport. So yeah, it's all these little things that slowly add up over these months and these years that will maybe affect someone's life to where they go find something else. Man, an interest and enthusiasm wanes, man. I mean, look at, I love this sport, but if I need something, I mean, I'm never going to stop lifting weights, but you could see where some people are like, yeah, I'll lift weights, but I mean, I'm not, I, you lost me, man. I was in and then you lost me and now I'm moving on. Other things pop up, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see, man. And, and for yourself, you were saying, um, you have less competitions now, like a little less driving, a little more time to focus on other things, uh, which kind of like Jen was talking about, man, it's not the worst thing in the world to all of a sudden refocus, be like, wait, all right. Usually I was super duper busy doing a lot of traveling, um, but now I have time to focus on some stuff. And you said you the same thing where now you're pumping out some videos, some online coaching, some of the King of Lifts uh, snippets as well. And you're, you know, it does give you some, when one door closes, another door opens basically, right? 
Yeah, but there's always different things to do. And yeah, I was like, uh, in 2019, I went to like a little over 20 meets, depending on, you know, either they were one weekend meets or maybe like a whole week, like uh, worlds and stuff like that. So yeah, it's like, you know, you're constantly traveling around for maybe half the year. And for like someone for Gino is even, it was like double that. Like he just like, you know, lived in hotel rooms. And so to go from like, yeah, 20 meets down to like, you know, nothing. And then now only go to like, you know, once every few months is like, yeah, I have so much more free time from that. And then also having the drop in clients is like, okay. Now I have so much more free time for that. So it's like, okay. Now I can put more time into my clients. The ones that I do have work with them even more time. And then also, yeah, spend all this extra time. Like, yeah, post up whatever Instagram posts and YouTube videos and whatever I can to help people stuff for USAPL. If they want to like look into things, I help them out with that kind of stuff like that. And so, yeah, different opportunities. I'm having fun now shooting videos and editing and posting up stuff. And, you know, I'm on TikTok as Jen Thompson calls it. And I see, oh, look, Jen Thompson's on TikTok too. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love that she called it TikTok. And, and and we'll see when things go back. Like my plan originally going to 2020 was um, like, you know, how Jen's doing all these seminars. Okay, what if I do seminars in locations where my clients are at? go to their gym, do a seminar to make some money to cover the expenses, but then also spend time, you know, meeting my client, working with them in person, since I only do online, maybe getting some new clients. And then that basically all went to hell, but who knows when we get, maybe when we get back started up more later this year, or maybe into next year, maybe, you know, you get some new people coming in and maybe new people want to learn and maybe go do these seminars again and maybe kind of return back to traveling more. We'll see. And also like, because you're forced to take a step back, you're sort of like forced in, or have time now to build on this infrastructure where if, if other people are coaches and, um, and they're usually seeing people in meets, like you said, and building the roster like that, that's taken away. So now they're, but they're not reinvesting doing the videos you've been doing. And I've seen, you've been pumping out some good quality content on the YouTube and explaining things and, uh, very well done. Like here's some mistakes that I did. You don't have to do stuff like that. Like good videos. Right. Um, and maybe they're they're not doing these things with the time off. And it maybe, as a matter of fact, they've looked to other avenues to make some income because certain doors close, not on powerlifting related. But when the light bulbs come back on and, and we're back rocking and rolling and you're moving forward and new people start joining the sport and they're going online looking for coaching, now they're finding all your videos and all the good work that you've been doing. And sometimes, man, when you are forced to step back and build some more infrastructure, when you move forward ahead, you're like, holy shit, this actually got me a leg up. Like there's a lot of people who did not do what I did. I mean, it's, uh, there's always some pluses to be had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everyone's situation is, is different and, and who knows what they're, what they're going through if they have to like take a step back and take another job or something like that. But yeah, yeah, there are, there are some people out there. I think when it comes to a job, which includes like powerful and coaching is that if they're doing a job or they're doing a task, they have to get paid for it. That's the only way. Like, Hey, I'm doing this, I'm getting this much money. And then I'm doing this, I'm doing this much money. And then it's like, well, right now there isn't as much of that. So you have to figure something else out. So I'm willing to put my time in into doing things for free and putting out information there to have that base. Like you said, it's like, it's like, you know, you're doing your off season training, you're doing your volume training, you're not hitting any PR, just putting on muscle, you're getting the work in and that built that base builds you then. So then when you go into meat prep, then all of a sudden you're like, Oh man, nobody else was doing this kind of stuff. And you're ahead of them. So the same thing is like building the base now talking to as many people as I can putting out as much content as I can. And so that, yeah, when things come back on, people will remember, oh, Aaron was the one putting out content for the whole time while everyone else was like, you know, off the internet. Or even 
people will remember, but even new people who join, look, you've been locked up in your freaking house and for two years. And you're like, when the gym's opening back up, like I got to get myself in shape. You go to the gym and you start finding this. When new people come, we have so many new people who come. Like in two years, you can have a total turnover. Um, I think our friend Pete was talking about how the average lifespan of a lot of powerlifters is two to three years. That's almost what our lockdown's going to be, baby. We got a lot of new people coming when they hit social media and they're looking for people. Give them some flags to find. You know what I mean? Like, like don't, you know, it's, you said it perfectly when you said some people like, I do this, I get paid for that. That's what I'm used to. But they don't necessarily know, my friend, if you do all this background work, you're going to set yourself up for the future for that hand, the hand to hand transactions. Or just don't do it because you're not looking at the bigger picture. And other people are going to. So when new people enter and they're looking for coaching, we already know. You see the guys who are killing it and girls who are killing it on social media, they have a fucking roster. Because new young people hit the scene and look and find them. This is how it's done. It's marketing 101. You know, so you got to put yourself out there. And um, yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, just like I listen to some podcasts, not necessarily powerlifting related. And Andrew Schultz said a lot of these comedians could not tour anymore, much like yourself when you're saying, I couldn't go out and meet people anymore in competitions, how I'd normally do it, do a seminar, pick up 10 people off a seminar, whatever. And he's like, I, I couldn't tour anymore. A lot of pod, a lot of uh, comedians, sorry, just stopped touring and doing other things to make money. And instead, he put together a Netflix special. I don't know if you've seen it, where he's got four of them and he's just sitting on a chair talking to a camera. They did an amazing job editing it. And um, rave reviews, he put so much, so well written an amount of, he's doing essentially videos like the editing and everything they did with it. Genius, absolute genius. And um, the, all these other comedians are like, I can't put out a special because in the specials, we have to do it in front of an audience. And if I do stand up comedy and there's no audience, there's no laughter. So every joke looks like it's kept dying. Whereas Andrew Schultz is like, we're not going to do it like that, though. This is how we're going to do it. it. Unless you see it, you'll, when you see it, you'll know what I mean. But he killed it and is now his social media following. He actually got ahead. And he's like, this actually helped because I was forced. I couldn't go out. And I was like, I have to innovate. I have to adapt. And because he did, Netflix was looking around like, you're the only one doing anything. What do you got? They saw it and they're like, I, we've never seen anything like this. We'll, we'll take it because there's nothing else we have for projects or stand-up comedy. They put it on. And he's bigger than he's, he's coming out of 2020 was his biggest year. So when he, come, when, the, when the lights come back on, so to speak, use that analogy and he's booking tickets, they're anticipating crazy numbers. It's the same thing. You know, when you find yourself in these ruts, you got to ask like, all right, I'm not going to just going to fucking lose a year of my time. What can I do? You know, yeah. we're going to get back in a swing of things. I'm going to be one of the, one of the people who, who, who swings and hits, but um, yeah, man. I, I, did, I didn't see that, but what I, what I saw, I, I think I mentioned you guys in the, in the group chat is like how much TikTok is blowing up right now. And there's more and more celebrities going to TikTok now because the, you can get so many followers so fast. So the big one I see on there is, is Jack Black. Like, you know, there's all kinds yeah. of like, there's all kinds of music trends and all kinds of dancing trends on there with people like, you know, people who know to dance, people who know to sing, people who are in shape. And then there's Jack Black doing the same trends, but like, you know, he's out of shape. He doesn't know how to dance and, but he's just doing it in his house. He's got someone filming. He's got people editing for him afterwards and everything like that. He's got like 5 million followers on there and he's Holy getting like, he's getting, he's getting all these people looking at his stuff, all these people liking his stuff. And then, you know, 
you can from there do possibly like, you know, sponsorships and advertisements, or maybe when things come back, people will say like, Oh, Jack Black resonates with all these teenage yes. kids. He's, he's been in front of their face for six months, nine months. Let's use him for this show. Let's use him for this movie or something like that. So yeah, he, he's setting himself up. He's like, I can do comedy, a different version of comedy in my home for, for social media. Stay relevant, dude. It, look at you, you hit the nail right on the head. If, when when th- projects start up again, because there hasn't been like, fuck man, I'm dying without movies, but they're not making a lot of movies. So it is what it is. But when they start making movies again, yeah, Jack Black is like, why? Because of his TikTok videos? Yeah, but if they, if by the time they start doing movies again, he's at five, he got five million in, in a less than a year. If he's at 10 million and they're like, yeah, Jack Black. Because when he tells people on his social media that I'm on a new movie and all these people are fans and think he's hilarious and then, oh, he's got a comedy out. There's 10 million people right there that he's talking to be like, make sure you go, I got a new movie coming out. And they think he's hilarious. Yes, Jack Black. You know, it's all about balancing. Like if you're putting in a $20 million budget for a project, you're probably going to be bring people in that you think are going to bring in the masses to watch. It, it makes total sense, man. It, it's true. I did see some of the videos of Jack Black. He did the WAP, the wet ass pussy. Uh, that was great. Dude, it was amazing. It was freaking hilarious. And this dude, you know, he's not listening to this kind of music, but he's like, is this the trend? Well, let me go. And it was, he killed it. That thing went viral. I, I, I had no idea. I don't follow Jack Black. It crossed by me because so many people are reposting, repost sites that repost funny videos or reposting it. He's killing it. And then since that video, I've seen like three or four of them because they keep going back because they know his content will will kill. He's killing it, man. He's killing the game. So yeah, when when he's when he gets back in it. But uh, anyways, my friend, uh, we had two and a half hours. I need to freaking smash some food. I'll tell you that right now. But we do have next episode. We'll talk about it. Um, Bryce Lewis posted up, he wants to talk about competition and how, um, competition rises, uh, all competitors, but I think he was talking mostly, um, you know, they, they were clocking races where if you race relatively unopposed where no one's threatening, even though you afterwards think you killed it, your pace slowed. But when you race and it's world-class competitors and they're on your heels, even though you think your pace was the same, it was much faster. And how they did studies on it and the whole nine and how competition rises it. And it's, I think it's it's applicable uh, for 2020 because look at the situation where we don't have those major races. You know, well, we literally only have local meets where you may or may not find someone who's going to push you. And we kind of somewhat touched up on it here, but, um, you know, if you are just at a local meet, even, even handling, who gives a fuck? You're going nine for nine. That's it. I just, I just need to max you out. You don't, you're not sharpening your sword for handling. And, and if new coaches are coming in the game for two years straight, these new people never have any major meets, then they, the art of handling even, it's going to get a little rusty, isn't it? When's the last time you had to flex on those skills? And it is a skill to handle when you do it properly and know all the rules and have, we, we briefly touched on it, but during lockdown, I had like a sl- I had like five episodes and they were all national level handlers, um, coaching staff, game day coaching. Uh, so, you know, everything, it affects everything, lack of competition or high competition. So he wants to come on. Uh, he had shot me a DM. He actually didn't say like, I need to come on. He's like, this would be a phenomenal for you guys. Because um, he knows, you know, we like to talk about this kind of stuff. I'm like, fuck, man, this is your, uh, why don't you come on? He's like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm totally game. So he's going to come on, me, yourself. I think I'm going to get Kafwe as well back. Uh, it'll be, he, he used to be on all the time, but we'll have him on the um, Zoom. 
And uh, yeah, man, we'll talk about I, we'll talk about competition, not yeah, in practice. I think it's gonna be uh, good to bring Bryce on because I think he's really into that stuff. He aside from just like you know programming the numbers, he's really into like the mental side and the, yeah. the psychology side because that's something he had to go through. And yeah, the, the whole idea of like you know having a a competitor. Um, and, and any business or even and in sports, like having someone's going to push you, you're going to push them, everything like that. So I think he's probably going to come with like, yeah, a lot of information, a lot of details, a lot of things that people will, will get be interested in and can take away. Dude, uh, it, the article that he had pulled, it directly talked about business as well, where they went into industries in terms of innovation, where there's very few competitors, the innovation was very low. And when it was high competition levels, the innovation was through the roof. And that's just undeniable. And it happened in several industries and the articles talk about it. And it's true. Like you might feel stress. You might be like, holy shit, there's another podcast, another repost, another competitor, another fucking shirt company, whatever it is, another coaching staff, handlers, someone's gunning for my job. And you think the stress is, is bad. But only when you're stressed and you feel that nipping at your heels, are you going to fucking dig deep? You're going to put an extra hour in. You're going to do a little more research. You're not, you're, you're going to do a little bit more because you feel the pressure and it's not, that's why they say not all stress is bad. It even kind of feels shitty at times, but over the long haul, you're going to go way further than if there was no one there, no one pushing you or nothing pushing you. Your innovation will be, go stale. Why would you? You could get a little here and there, and you could say you would, but not when you feel like you need to, to survive. You will lose your clients unless you do this. You're going to fucking do it. Or you're not going to lose anything if you don't do this. So you could take the afternoon off. Fucking throw on the Simpsons and take the afternoon off. You're going to be in your underwear, eating a bowl of cereal, watching The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, but, you, you see that too in, in like uh, groups of people, like where they, where, how they grew up or where they grew up. Like, you know, someone who's born to someone who's wealthy and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I mean, if you have bad grades in school or you like, you know, you don't try and find a job right after school. Yeah. You live in your mansion. You, you go sit on the couch. You watch some Simpsons versus like the person like, yeah, who like, you know, uh, the parent who's like, you know, single parent, they have to work day to day for their checks and everything like that. The kid might see that and they see like, okay, my only way to get out of here and not be like uh, my friends around me is like, yeah, put, put the time and effort into something and, and do something great and get, get yourself out of there. So like, yeah, that stress and uh, an environmental stress and everything like that has toughens them up and they do something that they didn't think they would have done, which you see on the other side. It's like, yeah, you're, you're comfortable. You got no problems. You got all this money that you're in safety. Like, yeah. So there's no point in doing anything. Being uncomfortable is the worst thing, yeah. So we'll dive into it in in um, with Bryce, and we're gonna have examples, and I'll you know we'll pull up examples of Olympics and blah blah blah. We'll back it all up. But uh, anyways, small preview. Now we're at two hours forty minutes, my friend. Greatly appreciated. I know we're in the same time zone, so it's getting close to ten o'clock at night. So thank you for tuning in, my man. Uh, we're probably just gonna talk in the group chat, but I'm gonna smash some fucking food. So and to let everybody know, actually about your coaching and how to get a hold of you in your Instagram. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you didn't listen to the previous episodes I've been on, yeah, my website is powerliftingcoaching.com. And then for social media, it's either coach Arian K or just coach Arian. So like on Instagram, coach Arian K, TikTok, coach Arian K, YouTube, coach Arian, um, Facebook. I don't go on as much, but those are the main ways you can reach me. And you were accepting clients, sir. 
Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a call with someone today. I call with someone tomorrow. I'm trying to always uh, take on new people who are willing to uh, put in the effort and willing to listen. There it is. There it is. U.S. national team coach accepting new clients. Get in there. And until next time, my friend, see you. Peace. Peace.